The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Locked in the latest edition of the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, presented by Rotofanatic.com. Have you played with the Data Monster recently? He's a cute, cuddly, cutesy wootsy Data Monster who's going to help you win your fantasy league. Check out the Data Monster and all the tools that come with it at Rotofanatic.com. It's episode 107. We have two guests today. No Christopher Deary. Join your host, Michael Gauvier, as he welcomes in two Rotofanatic icons responsible for some of the finest and most detailed data on the website. It's the brain trust of Rotofanatic.com, Paul Mamino and Crosby Spencer. Crosby, Michael, and Paul are going to break down the data monster and how it sees some of the current pitchers. Command Stuff ERA. What does this stuff mean and how can it help you understand pitchers better? We'll talk about that. Plus, Crosby's got some exclusive information about humidors and the humidity at the ballparks. There is a connection and a relationship between the two. You need to know about it and you're going to hear about it on today's show. And of course, we'll play Name That Runner-Up Fabbit. It's going to be a fantastic show. The Palazzo Pod never disappoints. And even if you are disappointed, you can't prove that in a court of law. Take it away, boys! Apologies for being late. It happens. Sometimes things don't go off on time, but that's okay. We're here now. It's the Hey, It's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by rotofanatic.com. And today it's an entirely rotofanatic-centric focused show with three dudes who are owners, runners, creators, and overall overlords of rotofanatic.com. It's me, MJ Govier, G-O-V's and Victor I-E-R on Twitter. Paul Mamino, P. Mamino, P. Mamino Fantasy. There's two M's in there. Two M's in the middle, one M at the beginning, and then an N to close it out. And, of course, Crosby Spencer, at Crosby Spencer. Standard spelling, not Bobby Crosby, though. Remember Bobby Crosby? That was a good time, right, Crosby? 
I do not know who Bobby Crosby is. Who is that? You don't remember him for the Oakland Athletics? Come on, shortstop. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. I knew you would. Uh, you're. I was trying to connect with your shortstop. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Crosby Spencer numerical one on Twitter. So yes, it's us three tonight. Deary, uh, he had a flood. We had a hell of a flood here over the weekend. So fortunately, Deary's basement is flooded, and I feel bad for him. I hope everything goes well down there. It's been. It's been a tough, tough road, but uh, somehow we played softball on Sunday, so I don't know how we got that in. It was actually sunny. It's very strange weather here. But you're not here for the weather. You're here for the information. We're going to talk about a bunch of different stuff today with Paul and Crosby. You know, we'll do our catch of the day, and uh, we'll talk about the humidor and the impact it's had around various stadiums in Major League Baseball. Crosby's got some interesting numbers. We'll talk about the Data Monster, which is our Rotofanatic specialty tool that Paul basically created. All credit to Paul. Paul Mamino, the master, and it can be of use on this show. I'm going to start doing a better job of that. And this is just a reminder, of course. And we'll play Name That Runner-Up Fab Bid and maybe a couple other things along the way. But first, don't forget to go to rotofanatic.com and check out Phil Goyette's Climbing the Rookie Ladder. Phil Goyette knows great stuff about prospects. He knows prospects very, very well. And so does Michael Richards. We have two guys at Rotofanatic that are excellent prospect dudes. But Phil does his rookie ladder with pitchers and hitters, reminds you, updates you on who's trending upwards and who's going down, down, down. But don't worry, because when you're talking prospects, odds are somebody's going to go back up and they'll probably go back down again. Am I right? Yes. Correct. Especially it's prospects. Pitchers. It's chaos, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. And everybody loves them, especially the pitching ones. I know you're, mm. you've talked about it a few times, the Matt Manning obsession the past couple of weeks. Or ah. two weeks has been brutal. <laughs> Could have called that one against Cleveland yesterday. In fact, I should have bet all my life savings on it. I knew it was. I knew it was coming. It was either that start or the following start. He was going to implode because he's not striking out anybody. Nothing is fooling any hitters. So I should have known better. But I'm not a very good gambler either. Anyways, yeah, Matt Manning's a fun prospect. Also, me and Phil are going to start doing a quick prospect check-in on Mondays. It'll be like a 15-minute weekly check-in at the beginning of the week that I'll do on this feed. We'll talk about prospects he likes, prospects he's seen something from, just so you can have kind of a taste of that. Little, little taste on Mondays, probably starting after 4th of July. All right, that's enough of that crap. Paul Momino. Paul, we have not had you on the show in a minute since you and Crosby were on... uh, was that, that the beginning of the season? I was, or right? say, it was either right at the beginning or right before, right? I don't, I don't remember exactly. I feel like it was April for sure. Mid-March. I, was it March? Yep. Look at that. Crosby's well, shit. <laughs> okay, so, so what, <laughs> Paul, what's happened since then? Uh, first off, in your life, are you okay? You going to be all right? Uh, how you feeling? Doing great, man. Work, working, that's really all, all, I, all I do. Um, going away this weekend for 4th of July. I'm kind of looking forward to that, but... Uh, Nothing else major going on with me. Where are you going? Uh, Ocean City, Maryland, with a few friends for the weekend. Oh, boy. Yeah, so. Former Marylander here. I know exactly what goes on there, Paul, <laughs> you sneaky devil. That's a, <laughs> that's Party Palace. That's what that is. And that's, that's also right. a shitload of people, and it's going to be hot it's, as fuck. Um, it is uh, really, really hot here right now. It is yep. brutal here. I know it is in a lot of the country, but it is not fun here right now, so... Yeah, if it's hot as fuck here, then I'm sure it's hot as fuck over there because this it shouldn't be that hot here overall in Michigan. Yeah. But Ocean City's a great time. I never actually truly went there, oddly enough. I just 
didn't spend a lot of time on the Eastern Shore when I lived in Maryland, and I wish I had, but I know you have a great time. That's very cool. And Crosby is always cooking great food and having good times on the weekend, so I assume you're going to have yourself a wonderful Fourth of July holiday. Absolutely. Going to get uh, some hot dogs flown in. Should be here uh, any day coming in from uh, from Syracuse. A little hot for hot dogs. <laughs> hot and, dogs uh, are flying in. Yeah, indeed. And uh, going to make those up, have a nice barbecue, and uh, probably some ribs and do the whole 4th of July cookout type theme weekend. So, yeah, it should be a good time. <laughs> that sounds great, man. And I'm sure we'll see some pictures in the Slack because Crosby is known for his – Gorgeous pictures of tasty treats. And I'm not talking like Ritz crackers. I'm talking full-on meals, multi-course meals, a lot of meats involved, which I am always a fan of. I love meats, Crosby. So I appreciate the meats that you share with us online. I'm happy to share my meat with you anytime. I knew it. I knew it was that easy. That's how it works, folks. (laughs) (laughs) That one is long gone. All right, so... uh, Rotofanatic.com is a place where we do business. Uh, where are we right now, Paul? Uh, how do you feel about what we're doing? Uh, what are we offering? Uh, what's coming up soon? Is there anything we can look forward to in the near future on Rotofanatic.com? Yeah, I mean, well, every week we have uh, we have a couple things that we that always kind of come out on the weekends. Mike Carter's great with his closing remarks. Davey puts a ton of work into <laughs> the infirmary report. Yeah, Carl, ready for those, and I have kind of worked together on uh, doing some schedule factor stuff that I think, I think that's one of the things that we've uh, – we need to start pushing a little bit more because that stuff is really cool. And there's some really interesting data in there that I think uh, could really help people in setting lineups and adding players and things like that. I think that's one of our more underappreciated aspects of the site. Damn right. I always push the schedule factors every weekend and I do the Sunday, you know, prep show, I guess I call it fab and streamers. I've been calling it the week 14 prep last week, whatever I feel like calling it. But the point is the schedule factors are always a key part of it. It breaks down the schedules, the advantages, how many games teams have all these little things that will be a essential part of your prep for the week to come. Yeah. I, I I think it's definitely something that we've, uh, we were talking about before the show. We don't do a great job of marketing our stuff. (laughs) That's that's one of the places that we can really uh, give some people something different than what they're used to seeing. I appreciate that. Yeah, we, we do our best here. We can't keep trying. I know there's some diehard Rota Fanatic people, but there's so many of you that are still not accessing this great content. And Crosby and these two guys I'm having on here, Crosby and Paul, they are wizards. They really know this shit in and out. And they know more than some of us do, frankly, more than I know when it comes to really specific, detailed data that goes inside what players are doing and can give you that edge. Because what everybody wants to know on Twitter Every time they ask an analyst, they ask myself, hey, who do you like rest of the season? Blah, blah, or blah, blah. And anybody could give you their gut feeling. We can all do that. You know, Roto gut. Vlad Settler's already mastered that in a sense. And we all have our guts. To Some of ours are bigger than others. Right, Crosby? But I will <laughs> tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> but in the end, you need that extra piece of data. And that's what we try to do at rotofanatic.com. So I'm hoping you guys catch on to that. If you haven't shared it with your friends, your pals, your friends, your loved ones, please do so. Crosby, what was the original focus and what are you trying to share with people on schedule factors when you put it out every Saturday? I just want to give people something uh, a little bit different as far as, you know, when you look at the ballpark factors um, and you're making your lineup, you want to, you want to be able to tell, okay, uh, what are my guys matchups this week? As far as what kind of environments they're hitting in, what kind of uh, environments they're pitching in? Um, You know, if it matters on a season, you know, every week, is basically just one 27th of the season and you're playing 27 little micro seasons. 
And yes, you're going to have your stud pitchers and your stud hitters that are in there every week, but you might have, you know, three to six guys a week that you're kind of going in and out, especially deciding on pitching. And those just those little extra edges on, you know, seeing what their uh, what their pitching and hitting environments are going to be for that week. Um, you know, this gives you that information that you know you're going to be either hitting in a in a uh, friendly or not friendly or neutral environment every week. Beautiful. Well said, Crosby. It's great work. I'm pushing it constantly. So if I'm pushing it, I'm expecting you people to at least take a look at it. Do yourselves a favor. I'll keep shoving it down your throat till the season's over and maybe even beyond that. Having said that, of course, you can also listen to the Turn 2 podcast that Matt Williams does every Tuesday-ish. Uh, Paul, you've been on there several times. You guys were going over a lot of stuff lately. You covered kind of a halfway mark or not a halfway mark, more of the yeah. Memorial Day weekend kind of check-in, second chance opportunities at positions. Yep. And you also talked about the ball. Was it the gunk related to the ball? Because I want to talk about the gunkathon and or the gunk gone wrong, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of everything. Um, Matt did a cool article a couple weeks ago on uh, NBC. Uh, what is it now called? Whatever whatever Roto World is now called. NBC Sports Edge. Which types of players are most impacted by the new, the, the, the actual physical baseball and the changes that were made? You know, the, the types of players, the, the fly ball hitters more than the line drive hitters, different guys like that. And we were kind of talking about that from a sense, but. We definitely also, that was the beginning, uh, right after Glass now got hurt, was kind of really complaining, not complaining, uh, was really critical of them making a change in season. Um, mm -hmm. And we were kind of talking about what that would do and how that would affect kind of players and different things like that. And Crosby, I'm sure you'll probably be able to kind of agree with me on it. I, I don't know if necessarily, you know, the gripping differently was what caused Glass now to get hurt, things like that. But you'll know as a player and anybody who's played sports to begin with in general, when you don't feel 100% or something feels off, you're more likely to hurt yourself elsewhere because you're overcompensating. You're doing something different than what you're used to doing. So there's definitely some validity to what Glassnow was saying, I think, where pitchers were used to doing one thing and they've kind of had to change up what they were doing. And it kind of caught, it could have potentially caused him to be a little bit, you know, impact something more in his elbow or somewhere where he wasn't really putting a lot of pressure before because he's throwing differently. Yeah, we, I mean, we see that kind of in the kinetic chain of, in, chain of injuries and we've all... Uh, kind of experience that ourselves, right? You you slightly sprain your left ankle and and you're compensating for that. Next thing you know, your right knee hurts. Um, so you know the same thing happen, happens with athletes, and and uh, you know we like I said, we've seen that with a kinetic chain of injuries. A shoulder turns into an oblique, turns into you know turns into an elbow, et cetera, whatever. Uh, uh, and I seriously doubt that. Yeah, exactly. And, and I seriously doubt that that he was lying about his own injury and he knows his body as well as anybody could. And if he says that, you know, he was overcompensating and he feels that that's the reason for the injury, whether or not it was exactly the cause of the injury, it certainly impacted him somehow, whether it was, you know, mentally or physically. It's obviously having an effect on on some, if not all pitchers. Yeah, 100%. That's what I, I thought, too. Initially, it seemed easy to dismiss him, but... When you stop and think about it and you look further into what happened, it makes sense. You got to trust the people, like you just said, Crosby, who know their bodies. I, I would assume that people would ask me questions related to injuries that I've had. Hey, how did you feel? What happened? They would want to know how I was feeling before that. And the fact that he also admitted how he struck out 11 gnats in that last start which without the gunk is still very impressive, but it cost him the rest of his season. Which, by the way, uh, Paul, Tyler Glass now, 
no chance this season, regular season. Highly unlikely. Was a rel- yeah, it, it's it, it's highly likely that he's not um, coming back. But they did what did, I saw a report this week. I think that it was a little. They got some positive news. He was feeling a little bit better with some of his more recent tests. So I wouldn't be shocked. But if I'm the Rays, I don't really have a reason to, to be pushing him because you want him for years to come. You don't want to. You don't want to do what. We're seeing it now with Lamette, right? Lamette, Lamette's gone on and off the IL three or four times because they keep trying to push these elbow injuries. I, I, elbow injuries and that kind of stuff, I don't like to mess with it too much if I don't have to. <sighs> All right. Is that basically what you think, Crosby? Would you be planning on picking up Tyler Glass now for a September run even on a, if you're in a Roto League? Probably not. Um, the, uh, the chances of him coming back um, – being able to uh, get himself back into game shape and be effective, you know, I think that's that's a it's a pretty big long shot. Yeah, I think we all agree on that. I just wanted to double check. You never know. Hey, you guys are the wizards here, and I know that baseball savant has already been trademarked and copyrighted many times over. But you guys are rotofanatic savants, in my opinion. They don't own that word in perpetuity. I'm not gonna <laughs> let them do that. Okay, we can still have our own savants. Damn it. All right, so you know what that means. Uh, let's cover the housekeeping real quickly. We fire up the old Belvedere music, which uh, Crosby's familiar with, but Paul has no idea what it is. And that's fine, because you guys are from different generations. You shouldn't. But do you know what means housekeeping? Thank you, everybody who's been following us. Followers have grown. We cracked 1,000 followers on the Plotso. Oh, shit, I didn't even say it. I get so excited about these shows. Plotso Podcast, two L's, two Z's, of course. We cracked 1,000 followers. Thank you so much for that. And we're climbing to 1,100. And we're still looking for trophy ideas. So if anybody has an idea for the Palazzo Podcast Invitational Trophy, which is guaranteed not to be won by myself or Deary, it's almost guaranteed at this point. I think I'm in 40th overall. There's 60 teams, and Deary's in 56th place. So after, after losing Lucas Sims last week, that was my last chance at having anybody, like anybody who can get a save. I, it's a draft and hold, so I have guys like... Reyes Maranta, uh, Joe Jimenez. Good God, what was I thinking? I mean, just no chance for saves. So I'm not going to win the overall, but that's fine. Our good pal Richard Sands, who's always a fan of the show and dedicated to the show, is dominating the overall. And I expect him to win it this year. And hopefully, we can give him a sweet-ass trophy. What would you do, Crosby, if you could come up with a sweet-ass trophy idea? What would I do? What would the, uh, the trophy look like? Yeah. Um. Anything you want. Anything I want. Um, boy, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the Bash Brothers or uh, uh, I don't know something something uh, something big and badass. I don't have put a lot of thought into uh, into the trophy, although I display many of them. Um, how about this? Uh, how about a you? Bronzed a bronzed Bash Brothers with a steroid syringe, like. <laughs> Right above both of them. They'd both be elbowing, bashing with a big old syringe in brass. That'd be sweet. I'd be down with that. Yeah, there you go. They're they're bashing with their right forearms and injecting each other in the butt with their left hands. <laughs> That's a great idea. See, I knew. I knew you would come up with something. What about you, Paul? Any uh oh, man, any I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna beat that idea that he has there, but uh <laughs> Matt wants to know if he's late for the meeting, by the way. Yeah, sorry, Matt, you were come on in for the Broda Fanatic meeting. Uh, um, <laughs> think, what, else would I, what else would I want to do here? Um, I don't know, man. I mean, a, a, a nice engraved bat. That video is cool. Ooh, engraved bat. Okay, I like that. That's something new. The other ones we've had are 
a bust of the guy who says, hey, it's Rico Palazzo in the Naked Gun. Also, the KBO Championship Trophy, which is the sword. You guys seen that one from the KBO? It's pretty badass, too. So we've had a few good ideas, but this uh, Bash Brothers one, I think Deary would like this one. And since we can't actually win it, we'd like to be able to design it. So I might think... Why don't you put your faces instead of... uh instead of the actual Bash Brothers. Uh, nobody got time for that, man. <laughs> nobody needs to see that. Keep it, keep it simple. Damn! A lot of terrified people out there. Oh. I know. I know. It's terrifying. Uh, okay, so we covered the uh, gunk. We're going to cover more on the gunk, which I also like to call The Great Ben Wright Panic of 2021. I heard people have a hard time hearing what this says. Are you guys getting this? Did you catch that? Great Spin Right Panic of 2021. Thank you. You have great hearing, Paul. I must be hanging out with a lot of older people. Thank you very much. I thought I was trying to make it sound old timey. The right, then right, panic of 2021. Yeah, you know, it's like the 20s. Hey, listen out here, Shay. Hey, I know what you're up to, Shay. You know, one of those guys or whatever the fuck that guy's name was. At any rate, uh, yeah, the great spin rate panic of 2021. I don't think we care about the spin rate as much. We care about the offense that's going to be taken off. So we'll talk more about that. And that gets us into. Leading off. Boop. All right. It's the Hayes Regal Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Don't forget, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's on Twitter. Utah, give me two. Thank you, Gary. And, of course, rotofanatic.com is the presenting sponsor, although... It's a complicated relationship. I'm involved with rotofanatic.com, so it's not really a sponsor. It's kind of a sponsor. I don't know. I don't. I want to be honest. I don't ever want to lie to you guys, but maybe there's no need to explain it. Rotofanatic.com. It's a great place to learn about fantasy baseball. All right, so uh, we're going to talk the catch of the day here. we got to get into some business. And when we do the catch of the day, we try to focus on somebody who's been on a roll, somebody who's really stood out recently, somebody who's really provided something. Yes, Yes, it is business time, but it's also the catch of the day. Good. Our first catch of the day. All right, so it's obvious. Kyle Schwarber. I mean, what the fuck do you want me to say? There's, this guy is in, speaking of roids, Crosby, he's in the elite territory of guys who are known for roids. Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds. The only other two guys to hit this many home runs in a short amount of time. I don't know what that says, but I also is it happening in a period where the gunk has been removed from the game, and it's clearly had a massive effect. We can't prove that yet, which is why I bring you guys in here to talk about that part. So, Paul, lead me off here. Is the gunk clearly, even though you couldn't provide me the piece of evidence, but are you confident that the gunk being taken out is what's led to Kyle Schwarber's tremendous June? Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there's some sort of competing. There's it, it definitely will impact it a little bit, and probably. Off of the top of my head, I would think that guys that pop a lot of balls up, I don't have Schwarber directly in front of me and what he was doing before this. Because the, the biggest thing that it's going to do probably for fastballs, and one of the things that I saw was he, he's he been doing it a lot leading off games, right? So he's probably taking advantage of a lot of fastballs, just if I had to take a guess without knowing off the top of my head. So it's going to take a little bit of vertical movement away from fastballs. Vertical movement leads to pop-ups. And if you're just missing a ball, you know, and then it, doesn't move as much up as you think it's going to, you're going to square it up. You're probably going to hit a little better. Is that what's happening or is Schwarber just absolutely locked in? I, I don't actually know. And I don't think we're going to be able to know until well beyond the end of the season. Um, but it's definitely going to cause some more offense to come around. If if it does what we're thinking it does, right? If, if what the league thinks it does is happening, 
it's making pitchers you know gain hundreds of rpms of spin which it seems like it is from what we're looking at causing more movement then pitchers are going to be worse and that's one of the best ways to put offense in is make pitchers worse uh before we get to crosby did you read rob arthur's piece about uh the ball going farther without the gunk i did not actually read that i I didn't know that there was a they were they were looking into you know actually what happens when it's put in play all the thoughts i've had is is what happens you know from the mound to home that that's what i've always thought about with this is it i wonder if there's a is there a weight aspect to it maybe that the little bit of extra stuff or it's not um what would it be not symmetrical like a aerodynamically uh yeah <laughs> right. yeah, I, yeah I, the, i'll have to check that out actually because that's really interesting. yeah it was a yeah i was full disclosure it was alluded to me by uh what's his face who came on the show recently what the hell's your name i like you a lot the guy tony jesus christ tony from open bar he came on he's like dude have you read that article i'm like no i have not in fact i had no idea who rob arthur was i don't know everything and that's why we do this show because we get to learn new shit so strongly recommend checking out that article he's like a data scientist wizard so i think he knows or at least he was trying to get at something through a data uh, method, if you will. But uh, Crosby, uh, what's your take here? Kyle Schwarber, man, he is blasting off to Hall of Fame status, National League MVP 2021. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's I think it's more that he's on a heater than um, than just a change in the ball. I would like to think that uh, you know if there's the that change in the ball, then everybody would be, you know, going off the way Schwarber is. I will say this, like, so I have Schwarber in a, in a, in a couple of leagues and, and I like to look at the box scores on the, on the app and they, they show the highlights of, of guys going yard, which has just been amazing the last 12, 13 games. You know, another one tonight so far before we came on. Stop throwing uh, pitches in the strike zone. What the hell? Well, what's kind of crazy too is at least four, maybe five of those home runs were fastballs, not up, but up and way out of the zone, definitely out of the zone that he just tomahawked and I mean, hit absolute bombs up. So that, that could definitely be a little bit of that, that spin thing and the, and the gunk thing. I definitely think he's on a heater though. I mean, I remember as a, as a kid seeing, uh, uh, oh, who was the Dodger Pedro Guerrero, you know, hit 15, 16 oh. home runs in a month. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, guys can get on these hot streaks. Uh, you know, Stanton had a, I think it was a, a June or a July, like a 32 game stretch where he hit like 26 home runs or something nuts uh, during his MVP season. So guys can get on these runs and, you know, he's still in his prime. And it's, it's, I think it's more that he's on a heater uh, than it is the the gunk and the spin. But I wouldn't doubt if the, the gunk and the spin, you know, lends, you know, something to a, a couple of those home runs. We've been doing drugs for two days with Pedro Guerrero. <laughs> how do you have that drop <laughs> you know uh i actually i just did that a while ago and i never got in the rotation but you finally finally created the moment so that I is do that. awesome thank you thank you so much <laughs> yeah he could by the way he really could have been a hall of famer he just didn't quite uh put it all together but he was a hell of a player in the 80s um the battles between him and joaquin Andujar during the playoffs were absolutely epic yeah, Paul remember those, right, Paul? I, I think Paul just blogged neither, about that. Neither of those players. Oh, yeah. I have zero recollection, zero information on either of those players. Yeah, Joaquin Andujar would drop you in a heartbeat with a pitch. He had an absolute unbelievable temper. We used to call him Joaquin Tall after a movie you probably don't know called Joaquin Tall. But, uh, yeah, that, that dude was epically temper tantrum. 
I know the remake, The Rock did Walking Tall remake, I feel uh, like, in 2002. Yeah, the, the original was uh, uh, sometime in the 70s. Okay, yes. Matt says, Paul was not alive. Yes, that, thank you, Matt. You read between the lines on that one. Uh, so, okay, yeah, you're right. I did see the highlight last night, I think it was, on SportsCenter, which I never catch. I just happened to be watching it. And he did Tomahawk. Schwarber Tomahawk one that was, like, way up and in, like a softball player. He looked like Matt Stairs or something. And he yeah, his first through. one tonight was off of uh, Rich Hill, same same kind of fashion. It, you know, it was Rich 80, Hill's throwing 90, like a, but if yeah, that. But. No, I think it was an 83-mile-an-hour fastball. Oh, was, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not that's not what you want to throw. <laughs> that is yeah. That's on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... And he stood there like the house by the side of the road and watched it go by. Struck him off. I don't think that would happen, Ernie, uh, on an 83-mile-an-hour fastball. And it didn't. So Kyle Schwarber, he's on a heater. You're right. I can't wait to see what July brings because if he continues, he won't continue this pace. It's unrealistic. We all know that, right? But yes. I don't know if he hits eight or nine home runs still in July. That's, you know, that's why I made the tweet last night. I think somebody yelled at me because I said, hey, we're all focusing on Schwarber, but Otani's got 11 home runs this month. He hit two and today. He's been do- he hit two today? Yeah. Fuck, that's 13. Okay. So he's got 13 home runs this month, and he's been doing it since the season started. You know, this is not, this has truly almost been like a season-long heater. It's amazing. He's, but, I, I know we talked about him before the season. He, he's been unbelievable, and I think it's been. I mean, in places that I've that I've drafted him, I haven't even considered using him as a pitcher, which I thought I would end up doing more of. You know, I thought I'd use him as a pitcher more than a hitter, and it, it's been. There's no reason to consider it. it. They're letting him hit when he starts, which is incredible. I mean, it's it's so cool to like actually see this happening. And I I don't think anybody thought. We thought he was going to be good. I don't think anybody thought he was going to be this good. Yeah. By the way, Jasper, I think it's exactly your age, Crosby. So he remembers the original. He really does. Jasper is a friend of the show. What's up, Jasper? He remembers the original Walking Tall. That's wonderful news. I'll have to check it out. Big old two by four. Oh, yeah. Ooh. um, You know, the thing about that, Paul, I remember the Detroit start. In fact, that was Matt Manning's first start a couple weeks ago. And everybody said, this is the week to start Otani if you're going to do it as a pitcher. And he still had a weekend after that of absolute dominance from the plate that you would have missed out on. And he only ended up striking out, I believe, five Tigers. It wasn't like a dominant performance yeah. from the mound. It's it's just humble. like, And again, you're only getting what one start a week because they're still going with the six-man rotation. Exactly. And, and if he's, But the, the whole concern with him is that they were going to sit him either the game before, the game after, and the game he was pitching. And you were going to get, you know, four or five games on a good week he's they're letting him hit every single day and it doesn't doesn't really matter i i mean it's it's unbelievable and i don't think you know i was anticipating maybe using him either as a pitcher or using him on a you know a weekend set instead of early in the week if he was supposed to throw on a tuesday or something like that but he's a guy you can't take out of your lineup you'd miss too much Nope, wrong button. God damn it. I hate when that happens. I got a lot of buttons. Sorry, guys. Don't be that guy. There we go. Yeah, don't be that guy. Don't start him as a pitcher. You're going to miss out. I mean, (laughs) Crosby, what else could we identify about Otani here and where we can use him as a pitcher or a hitter? Would you ever consider using him as a pitcher or is it just too ridiculous until further notice? Until he goes on like a two-week cold streak, truly. Well... If your pitching staff, if your hitting staff is so great that you won't miss a guy who was pacing for 60 home runs and 30 stolen bases, 
um, then sure, throw them in your uh, in your pitching lineup. But uh, I have a feeling there aren't too many of those guys out there that have that kind of lineup. So yeah, I'm, I'm keeping Otani in as a as a hitter. I don't care if he slumps for a couple of weeks. The guy just hit three home runs in the last two days. He's one of those talents that can do that. He can steal three more bases tomorrow. So he's he's a he's a rare rare breed of uh, a baseball player for sure. No way. Oh, that's true. Absolutely true. So that's cool. Shohei Otani is just a dreamboat. And I also <laughs> said this last night. I'm so glad that he didn't sign with the Yankees. It would have ruined it for me a little bit. It really would have. And the fact that he didn't do that, just all the more credit to him. And he'll never go to the playoffs, and he'll just sit there with Mike Trout every year having these great individual seasons, which we'll adore from afar while we never see him ever again in any meaningful baseball games, which is unfortunate, but it's, small price it's to pay. incredible that they can't find I, – I, I guess what, Patrick Sandoval has been okay. They can't find any <laughs> pitching. It does not matter. <laughs> who they threw out there, they just can't find pitching. Their guys have, I don't think I've ever seen a staff before, five plus ERAs. Like, they should be good. <laughs> I don't get yes. it. Yeah. Hey, I'm the guy who drafted Dylan Bundy like 18 times. So, yeah, I, I was desperate. I was desperate just like they were, and that's my fault. And, you know, Dylan got a little sick last night. I hope he's okay. He pulled a uh, Willie Beeman, for those of you who know that reference, uh, yesterday on the field. But I think he'll be all right. Let's talk moist balls. Yes, it's a cheesy, cheap line. I went for it. But I want to talk about the humidor, which Crosby really wanted to focus on. The humidors around Major League Baseball. I feel like a lot of us don't know where they are and what they're doing right now. And that's why Crosby is here to kind of illuminate and enlighten us on what the hell is going on. So, Crosby, set the table here of what your kind of your focus was here in this little examination. Okay. So, basically, last year, uh, well, let's kind of start at the beginning. Uh, People know, they should know, that um, Phoenix and uh, Colorado have uh, uh, have humidors in their stadiums, and that was implemented in order to uh, take away some offense from that altitude. Um, but the the impression of, of that is because it does take away offenses in those two, uh, two areas, specifically home runs. Um, the idea is that the humidor has a negative effect on uh, on offense. That's actually not true. Those two stadiums just happen to be the two driest stadiums. So when you take a baseball and put it in a humidor, you're making it in a dry location. You're making it heavier than uh, the outside air and what it normally would be. Um, and it causes the ball to travel uh, not as far. So, and there's actually a formula that was uh, that's been calculated by uh, Dr. Alan Nathan. He's a uh, uh, physicist and and has done plenty of papers on the 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 effects of humidors and all kinds of things dealing with the, the physics of baseball. Um, and he's you know come out with some calculations on how how everything is impacted there. But just give you a kind of a base of reference here. So. He used the calculation, and I don't know if it's a Major League Baseball standard or not, but since he uses it, uh, a 50% relative humidity humidor uh, and does his numbers based off of that, and they came out pretty close to, you know, uh, right on with uh, uh, with the Rockies and with the Diamondbacks and, and the impacts on their offense. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to assume he knows what he's talking about here and what, what teams are storing these balls at. Well, every other ballpark um, has a relative humidity higher than 50%. So 
So that actually, a humidor should increase offense if you're storing the ball at 50%, right? Mm. So last year we we added, uh, or basically baseball added three teams um, that were using the humidors. They were Boston, uh, the New York, New York Mets, and Seattle. And so right around mid-September of last year, I looked into it, um, used the same dates from uh, from uh, from late July through mid, uh, mid September for 2020 and for 2019 and just kind of compared, you know, expected home run rates and basically expected offense in general uh, versus, uh, you know, 2020 versus 2019. And it was kind of a mixed bag. Basically uh, the Mets, uh, when you look at their calculations, they should be right about even. Uh, and they were, they were pretty much neutral for those, for those dates. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle, their offense was slightly up, uh, but starting to uh, produce more offense uh, in late August and into September. And sure enough, if you look at, um, if you look at the humidity rates for Seattle, it's uh, kind of higher in the spring, uh, lower in the, in the, early to midsummer and then goes up uh, towards uh, August and September. And it, their offense was kind of following that trend. I mean, it's funny thing, funny how physics works, right? So, um, and then in Boston, their offense was, uh, was up pretty significantly during those, those summer months of uh, late July, August and half of September, you know, Boston was up from being like, you know, middle of the road, uh, offense numbers for, for home runs, at least, um, to towards the top or number one in offense. And if you look at the, um, if you look at the humidity numbers in Boston, they're lower in spring and higher in mid, uh, midsummer. So that kind of followed along Hmm. this year, baseball added a humidor in Houston, uh, Miami, uh, St. Louis and uh, oh, St. Louis, Texas, and Toronto. So, with Texas, Toronto, and Miami, is, wait, wait, uh, in Toronto, both places they played Buffalo and Dunedin. Yeah, well, as far as I know, right? I know they did it for Dunedin. Uh, I'm imagining that they're carrying that over to um, to Salem Field, and I imagine they'll carry that over to um, uh, to Toronto itself. I don't know that for a fact, but that's that's you know all I know is that they had them. I'm imagining they're going to keep them for the for the whole season by teams uh, is what I'm imagining. So um, Toronto and Texas, you know, it doesn't do us a lot of good because Toronto is not playing in their home stadium. So to compare them to the previous stadium really doesn't do much. Uh, same thing with Texas. Uh, for those that don't know, they have a new stadium. Um, and even if we were to compare it to last year, it doesn't really work because it's different dates, uh, different time of year. Um, so, and then Miami, you can, you can make the comparison. Um, but they also did change their, uh, their field a little bit. They moved in center field, uh, seven feet from, uh, 407 to 400. They moved in, uh, it was right center field about five feet or so as well. So, um, in getting to this, you know, there is, um, 
you know, it's kind of following with, uh, with what you would expect. Um, you know, Miami is a, is a human place. I'm expecting, uh, home runs to go up. Uh, right now they're about on par with what they were the same dates. I compared it to 2018 because this ball is acting almost exactly like the, the 2018 ball. Um, so I compared 2018 in this comparison. Um, it is acting almost identical to the way the ball acted in 2018. However, uh, humidity is about to go through the roof in Miami. So, or has already started to. Yeah. And, um, you know, in center field where they made the biggest change, you know, sure enough, their home runs versus uh, versus center field are up. Uh, center field 2018 is up 43%. Um, so <clears throat> you're seeing some changes there. Uh, St. Louis is pretty much, again, they're slightly up. They're at a, a 101, but much like Miami, their, um, their relative humidity is is about to go through the roof uh so i would expect some some more some more home runs there um let's see houston they're up it's already and you know that's a human ballpark now i don't know how houston is going to react um in the summertime because i believe it's above 96 degrees they close the roof so I don't know if they close the roof and all of a sudden that's weather controlled and, and the humidity, uh, you know, drops and it just kind of plays as, as a neutral to what it to what it used to. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure how long it takes for that you know stadium to to lose that impact of the humidity. So uh, I'm not exactly sure. But so far in the springtime when their uh, roof was was open most of the time, they were up three percent on an already home run uh, uh, heavy ballpark. Um, so that's kind of, kind of been some of the, some of the impacts so far. I did want to touch on one thing when I wrote the article, um, last September, I also, you know, I touched on San Francisco, right? And so San Francisco, there was kind of that, that idea that you close the, that, that archway in right field and, and that was going to impact home runs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, and I wrote my paper that I disagreed. It didn't mean that I was right. It just meant that I disagreed with, with the data that I had. So, so far this year versus 2018, um, home runs are up 13%. And you say, aha, right? They That goes to show you that that ballpark uh, is giving up more home runs because of that um, that park in uh, that archway in right field. Well, yeah. not so fast, my friend. Uh oh. It's up 22% to left field. Uh, it is up 10% to left center field. It is up 59% to center field where they moved the fence from 399 to 390, a 391 center field. That's, that's pretty crazy. That um, pretty... So up 59% to center field. Um, now it is down. 58% to right center field, and it is down uh, 9% to right field. So the, the areas that, that was thought that the field would increase home runs, they're actually down, um, hmm. and they're up to the fields where they change the actual uh, distances in center, right center, and left center field. So... Um, 
just thought I'd throw that in there on uh, on on ballpark impact so far. And also, just one thing: uh, Texas is playing uh, overall um, much better than it did uh, last year, but still down about two percent in total offense from its old ballpark uh, at the same time frame. So, is that, isn't that pretty- negligible then? Or it is, yeah, it is negligible. Oh, okay. get on, on a small sample size, like half a year versus three years of data, or well, I guess in this case, just uh, versus all, all of 2018, it's negligible. Yeah. yeah, that could change in a weekend series, probably. That's uh, the fact that Texas is up relative to last year, and we haven't even played in the same months is pretty significant, right? Like, it, it's completely playing like a different park. No, it, it is playing like a different park, and you you would kind of expect that. One is that last year almost all the games were played indoors, yeah. um, because it was during you know late uh, uh, late July through August, and then they got to open it up in September and in uh, uh, in the playoffs. And we you know it, it seemed like the ball was going out a little bit more. I didn't actually do a study on it, but it, anecdotally it seemed like the ball was flying a little bit more uh, in the playoffs. Um, and you know this year. When you played in the spring, Texas has the roof open uh, more times than not. Uh, now that it's getting the, uh, in the hotter summer months, they're going to have it closed. So yeah. we'll see if it plays exactly the way uh, that it played uh, uh, during 2020. You know, I'll, I'll That's how I remember it, too. That's how I remember last summer in the you know short bozo season that we had was that roof was closed and they were running like crazy, but they couldn't score for shit. That's, I have that imprint in my brain. And here's one thing I didn't touch on Seattle. So Seattle, um, sorry about that. Seattle is up 7% Total shame. home runs. Shame on you. Failure. Yeah, my bad. So Seattle is up 7% at home runs uh, versus the same time in, in 2018. Um, and that follows the the way their humidity patterns go. Then be it on the ocean, it's it's uh, higher in the spring, kind of hits a valley in the midsummer and then goes back up in August and September. And, and, and we did see that last year uh, where the offense uh, in, in the mid part of the summer was playing a little bit better, taking them from like a, a 23 ranked offensive uh, park to like maybe a 17 or 18, somewhere in there. And then in the in the latter part of the year, you know, we started seeing home runs fly out of there and, and, and play bigger. And really, you know, like I said, if, if it's all basically physics, uh, there's there's a, an article that is linked to uh, in the article that I wrote. Uh, and it'll give you kind of a, uh, it'll, it'll give you a scale of if they put a humidor in every single city. And let me, you know, give the reference. This is from a 2014 uh, article research by uh, Ryan Morrison. Um, uh, SB Nation, and he ran through what it would be like to put a humidor in in, in every city. And they even included uh, nice enough for him for Buffalo, because I guess Buffalo was was being talked about as a possible expansion site. So they're even in there, um, and it gives you both uh, daytime uh, or afternoon humidity rates and nighttime humidity rates, and you can kind of see who gets impacted the most if they had a humidor in there, and and uh, the only negative impact stadiums um, are uh, Phoenix and and Denver. Everyone else has a positive impact. Uh, Dallas has a slight impact, uh, negative impact during the day, but at night uh, their humidity goes up pretty high, and so they, they get a pretty good boost there. So, 
Uh, I've been there. It's hell on earth. I know you live in Texas even deeper than that. And yeah, I spent a summer selling stupid books door to door in Dallas, Fort Worth, and the Metroplex. And it was hell on earth. They had the most awful swamp ass anybody could ever have. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's not pleasurable during the summer. I, I, I can attest to that. Um, but you can find that article in my article on uh, – uh, it was called the – uh, 2020 park factors for the seven new MLB parks. Uh, and it touches on the humidor stadium, Salem field, which is now relevant again. Uh, the new stadium, um, in, uh, <clears throat> the new stadium in Arlington, uh, along with, um, the parks that were impacted by uh, changes in Miami and San Francisco. Um, and I'll put something out uh, a little bit later in the year when we have some more data, uh, on the park factory impacts I've talked about with, uh, you know, St. Louis and, and, uh, and the other humidor parks. Yeah. I just dropped the link for that article you did right in our live chat and Sweet. I Googled it and found it, which is good for our website that we can Google Roto fanatic 2020 park factors and it comes right up. That's good news for us, I suppose. But Matt's more, Matt says, back it up, sold books door to door in Texas. Can we elaborate on this? Uh, <laughs> I could. We could go on for days about that stupid job. It only lasted for about five weeks before they sent me home on a bus ticket after they forced me to admit that I was lying because I kept saying I was selling books when clearly there was no money coming in. So, I <laughs> But I couldn't. I was too proud, and I was out there 14 hours a day. I went to a, <laughs> I went to a Red Lobster once. I was so hungry in Dallas. And I sat down, I ordered a Cajun pasta, and they had the Cheddar Bay biscuits. And I was like, yes, I'm so hungry. And it's nice and air-conditioned in here. Uh, but when they showed up with the pasta, I just couldn't lie anymore. I, I'm like, I don't have any money. And they're like, uh, could you leave? <laughs> they didn't, you know, I didn't get to eat it. And I never found out if I actually did eat it, if they would have made me wash dishes, which is the old wives' tale, you know. Right. About. Uh, so who knows, but... Uh, the highlight of that whole trip was I remember watching Castaway in a dollar theater, and it was so cold in there. I didn't want to leave. That was absolutely that was the highlight of that yep. trip. So. Yeah, <laughs> there's some more stories, but we don't have time for that. Hey, nobody <laughs> got time for that. This is the Hands Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast presented by RotoFanatic.com. I'm Michael Govier. Paul Mamino, Crosby Spencer just broke down incredible information. I really hope you guys absorb that. Take your time with it. Crosby Spencer one on Twitter, P Mamino Fantasy on Twitter, MJ Govia, GOVs and Victor IER on Twitter. Uh, Paul, any other responses to that? Because I was looking at Seattle's home road splits and their run differential. You know, they've got a negative 43 run differential. But they're 20, <laughs> they're way over 500 on the road. And they're five games under 500 at whatever the fuck it's called now. It used to be Safeco back in the day. So um, yeah, what do you think of all that? I mean, I, I think it's all fascinating because I think. The last couple of years, we've focused a little bit more about the physics of how balls actually carry. And the other interesting thing with it, Crosby, is you see some of these stadiums that are that are up, even with what we relatively think is you know a less bouncy, less whatever word you want to use, a ball that's not traveling nearly as well, right? So you're still seeing it kind of up. And I know you alluded it's similar to 2018. We're kind of seeing a lot of the same things. But I think we've focused so much on physics of it all. And we don't put as much time into thinking about how, you know, we always think about how stadium fences, all those distances matter. But it, the actual, you know, weather that these stadiums have is, a oh, absolutely. Impact. you know, and it, the, the wind patterns, everything that we see. But the, the humidity is such a big part of it that we don't quite realize. And again, I think we kind of, you said it before, broadly, we think that humidors are always going to make it go one way or another way. But it, it's really relative to the 
to the individual location, which is kind of such an interesting. Yeah, you got it. it, it, it uh, the weather plays a huge factor. Uh, wind patterns. So, for instance, you know, I didn't have in doing the study was predominantly on the humidor, and I would have liked to look into uh, this one particular city's weather patterns uh, this year versus uh, 2018. But the the team that's that's up the highest in home runs or expected home runs versus expected home runs from 2018 to this season is the Chicago Cubs. Now we know that that stadium is, is a place that can vary greatly in weather, whether it's coming off the, off the lake or whether it's coming up off the plains. We know that the uh, same thing goes with the, uh, with the wind patterns. Every single time I've been there, whether it's been in May or it's been in August or September, and I've been there for, I don't know, uh, probably I've spent about 21, 22 days in Chicago to, to see baseball games. And every single day I've been there, I don't care what day it is, between 3.30 and 5.30, there is a rainstorm and wind that comes flying through there every single time. So um, I would, you know, the, the just the weather in different locations can have impacts besides just the physics and besides the humidors, uh, et cetera. So, you know, those, those things impact from year to year as well. Good stuff. That is so fantastic. I'm going to go back and check that stuff out even more because I need to absorb everything you said. And I really feel like I need to incorporate it. Like Paul said, there is an advantage to be created here. And it's not just a bunch of highfalutin talk. Like, hey, look how smart we sound. We put in the effort. Not we, Crosby put in the effort on this. But it does make a difference. So I'm glad you said that, Paul. And I still find it fascinating that Seattle has such an advantage on the road right now. I know that's going to balance out eventually probably but every time they go home they seem to get no hit too which is also very weird you know <laughs> spencer turnbull did it and he's not a world beater i love spencer turnbull but he's not he's not casey Myers or Tarek scoobal frankly you know um maybe but that's another story it's not a tiger centric podcast it's a hey it's a rico plato fantasy baseball podcast utah two l's give me two. two z's and of course go tigers always go tigers yep although that's not my tigers that's go tigers ed's ed o's tigers so all right, let's talk about the Data Monster real quick. So the reason I want to talk to Data Monster is because recently we get a lot of these. Uh, I'm not popular, but, you know, sometimes people ask me questions, and it's usually the same cast of characters. Uh, Stretch, I know you're out there. Stretch, shout out to you. You're always asking questions. On and then there's the secret people who don't want to be known. They prefer to remain anonymous, and they DM you privately, like Miguel and Kalen, and they ask you questions every day, which I love. I love that shit. I do. But Blake's now somebody who keeps coming up, coming up, and coming up. So I looked at the Data Monster. I'm like, you know what I haven't done, Paul, is I haven't looked at the goddamn Data Monster and what it's telling me. Because that's going to give me a different perspective. So when I looked at it last night, his ERA, or stuff ERA, was 4.53, which is below average. Yes. Average is 407, right? So, somewhere somewhere in that range. I think this year might be a little bit higher. It kind of fluctuates year to year, but it's it's in that general range. But yeah, Definitely mid, below. Mid fours is below average. Sure. Okay, yes. All right, good. And then his command, his RF command was 2.11, and zero is average. Yes, correct. That okay. centers around zero. So, so what, is that, what does that number tell us? What does his command number tell us? If it's, it's not, not that bad, it's not six. Where, by the way, Alex Cobb yeah. is at six? Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. What's going yeah. on there? <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, the basic, the, the best way to break down is the entire idea of the data monster is to separate location from quote unquote stuff, right? Um, the way I'd describe it best is if we both throw a fastball right down the middle, that that's going to be, you know, sw there's going to be a certain number of swings and misses on that fastball. 
there's going to be a certain number of, that that ball's probably going to be hit pretty well. It's going to be swung at most likely, more likely than not, right? So what I can do is based off location, knowing nothing else about the pitch other than pitch type and where it's actually thrown, we know about how often that's going to generate a swing and miss, about what the WOBA would be on contact, and about how many swing, how often a guy's going to swing at that pitch. When a pitcher is able to generate more swings and misses than expected, or able to, I like to think of it as more takes, because if I, you know, from a pitcher, you want either swing and miss or you want a call strike, right? Those are the two, probably two of the best results you can get as a pitcher because a ball was Basically. not put in play. Anytime a ball goes in play, bad things can happen. Error, yeah. you know, it drops in, whatever. So what you can see is how many more than expected or how much more often than expected a given pitcher can generate. <clears throat> so throwing a bunch of fastballs down the middle, getting a ton, ton of swing and misses, that, that means something. It means you're really good because it means there's something different about your fastball than someone else's fastball. Right, so you're going to generate more swings and misses. So what the whole idea of the data monster does is it tries to help us understand what is that expected result and how much better or worse than the expected result is a given pitcher. So what you see when you look into command and what I've kind of understood from it as I've been building it, because that stuff ERA is meant to be an ERA estimator like FIP or one of the other ones that's supposed to kind of put you to that level. Um, so what it does is it's going to take all of those results, how much better or worse you are, at each of the different events. There's four, I traded as four events, swings and misses. Yes, Matt, basically not Gary Cole's fastball. Um, right now, at least. Um, swings and misses, damn it. takes within the zone, chases out of the zone, right? So if I throw a breaking ball in the dirt, are you more likely to swing it, just swing at it in general or not swing at it? Um, and then what actually happens when you put the ball in play? So what it's seeing and what I've understood and what I've come to realize is that the command side of it as I grade it, which is taking those events, how much better than average are you, essentially? Um, and that's what that, that number is kind of telling you. Um, it's it's Z-score, standard deviations. We don't have to get into that. But it's essentially just how much better than the average player are you at those things. That's why zero is, you know, average, because you're not better, you're not worse. Um, but what I've, what I've realized is that command is not as big of a factor as the pure stuff side of, the, of things, right? One of the one of the pitchers that uh, Stuffy Arrays loved for a few years now is Yusei Kikuchi, and he has graded out last year. I believe it was he was he had the worst command out of all of my. I think he used like 500 pitches plus the sample. He had the worst command, but what he does is he's actually able to generate a good amount of swings and misses. That's one of the things that he does best, right? So two pitchers that are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum is Kikuchi, who doesn't locate well but can generate a lot of swings and misses, and last year you had Zach Plesek, who had a similar whiff rate to Kikuchi, but what he did was he located extremely well, right? So his his higher whiff rate was because he was throwing pitches to areas that tend to get a lot of swings and misses. But Kikuchi's, in theory, is more impressive, right? So that's why he's going to grade yeah. better in stuffy array because he's almost getting away with more. Um, the pitch itself is better. The stuff is better. It's just kind of more impressive. So that's the whole idea of what the, the data monster is trying to do is, is help us separate the command and the actual stuff or just what what makes a guy better or worse essentially um how much better or worse are they than what we'd expect them to do carlos rodan for example he has a minus i think minus 0 0.84 yep. command but he gets a lot of swings and misses like you're saying right so he yeah. would probably fit into that mold as well yeah i mean if you if you flip the let, let's you know I'll, I'll go i use right now i use 750 the the worst pitch pitchers that have thrown 750 pitches 
in command. You have Madison Bumgarner, Kobe Allard. Um, both guys have kind of struggled. But then you get Lance Lynn, Yusei Kikuchi, Shohei Otani, Rich Hill, Sean Manaya. You're, you're starting to get into these pitchers that have poor command, but like a guy like Otani, a guy like Lance Lynn, you watch them and their stuff is impressive, right? You, you can kind of physically see it with your eyes and you might not realize that they're not locating as well as they should. Um, but they're still elite pitchers. And I think that's kind of one of the more important things to kind of notice is, is that you have guys like Otani, Lynn. Um, there's there's a bunch of guys like that that are really um, – they don't locate as well. And then, it, it, again, if you, if you flip it and you go with the, the best command – you know, you take the other end of it, you have you know, Alex Cobb, who you kind of alluded to, but he's been struggling um, because the stuff itself isn't as elite. I mean, he's actually been probably better than I think people um, – well, the numbers have been quite bad. He's had some really bad blow-up starts, but he's been pretty good in, in various parts of the season. But you have guys that the when you flip it for the command side, it's not as impressive as the list on the other end, and that, and that kind of shows the command might be something we overrate sometimes and – and the pure stuff side of it is is a huge part of it. Like you look and you, you stuff ERA and you see Brandon Woodruff has pretty poor command. You know, that's that's something that it's just because there's his stuff is so impressive, he's able to get away with it. And then there are pitchers like Jacob DeGrom who's just on his own level and you know he can locate well and he has insane stuff. So he's just one of the, you know, by far the best pitcher in baseball. But by it, way, it's three brewers all in a row yeah. right here. Woodruff Burns Peralta. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and it, and one of the things that's kind of interesting with um, Burns is a good example of it. Um, he he's kind of hovered around that that mid range. Lucas Giolito is another guy that's around that mid range for for command, but their walk rates are high. You know, we we think of them as poor command guys because they walk a lot of guys. For some pitchers, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, one of the things that that Burns was doing really well last year, if you looked at where he was throwing fastballs, was almost everything was on a corner, which you know that's going to lead you to, to walk a lot of guys, but you're going to get a lot of bad contact because you're throwing cutters on the corner, or you're going to get a lot of takes in the zone because you're getting throwing again, cutters in corner places where you don't expect to be. So it, it's kind of one of those things where traditional ways that we create command and for fantasy, it matters, right? Walks matter for fantasy, but for what makes a guy a great pitcher command doesn't matter quite as much. And I think that's kind of one of the things that I'm trying to, to highlight with the, with the data monster and kind of help people better understand exactly what's happening. Fantastic. I think all of that made sense to me. I actually really followed all of it for once, which is a breakthrough for me because I've gotten better <laughs> at it. I've grown as a human being and uh, it makes sense now just because you have a number doesn't mean it's the be all end all. You have to factor it into all the other peripherals that are available to you. Right? Yeah. yeah and that's, that's the one thing you can't, you know, I like to, to build the error estimator that stuff ERA and, and have it in one big, you know, all encompassing. This tells us a lot, you know, this is the one number to look at, but that, that's not really the truth because you don't want to look at one number for really anything you're doing. You want to understand things. And I think it, it the biggest thing for me is it, and one of the things you can do is you can kind of go back and see, I have this stuff back to 2015 because it's all stack cast stuff. You can see how a pitcher changes, right? Like, like Plesak from 19 to 20, he made a big, big jump in, in whiff rate and things like that. But he also made a big jump in the expected whiff rate, so he was yes. locating really well. Um, and, I, and I think I wrote an article about it before the season. He was locating really well, and, when, and guys that made that big of a jump, they don't necessarily keep it as much because it's kind of hard to be absolutely pinpoint with your control over the course of the season. For the most part, your fastball it's going to move relatively similarly. You know, you might hang a few and you might do this, but for the most part, you're not going to go up or down in terms of the stuff side of things and 
you know, now, now that we have all the sticky stuff going on, I do actually kind of want to try to break down the stuff side. We did throw in um, some game logs where you can go in and see how their location has changed. Um, and we're going to kind of monitor those with some of the, the pitchers that, um, you know, are struggling now, like Garrett Cole and things like that. Nothing majors jumped out from looking at that. So I want to kind of see if we can understand the pitchers who've lost the most kind of month over month. So that's kind of one of my next projects. Hell yes. Uh, Crosby, a guy like Carlos Rodon, are you expecting him to regress rest of season at a certain point? <clears throat> you would think so, but uh, I don't think we've ever seen him pitch like this, right? Uh, with with this kind of walk rate, with this kind of uh, this kind of command, you know, right now. So my expected stats are a little uh, about five days old on pitchers. So I'm looking at him right now. I have him rated as uh, the seventh best pitcher. Actually, one, two, three, four, the fifth best pitcher uh, on expected stats so far. Um, so he looks good, but just baseball-wise, you could have the skills, right? But the skills, skills like the surface stats, they wax and wane. So mm -hmm. just on the fact that, you know, he's coming off Tommy, Tommy John surgery, uh, we've never seen him pitch this, this well before. So I would think natural regression and the fact that I don't see him being on the pitch a full season all the way through, um, you know, they have their eyes on the playoffs. I would imagine they're going to start skipping some starts here. Um, but so I don't think the value to your, um, to your fantasy teams is going to be as high as they've been. But right now, everything he's done is absolutely fully earned. And I actually have him expected to do slightly a little bit better than he's uh, that he's done. So, so to answer your question, you're going to get less value in the second half in college for Don. There's no doubt about that, but he has fully earned what he's done. This is not luck. That is bullshit. Well, I agree with Crosby. I, I love it. Uh, it's really taken me to new heights in teams that I have him. I have him on a few teams. So I waited for this month, his whole career, that slider, when he came out of NC state, number three, mm -hmm. overall pick, I was, I just thought this is what he would always be. And the fact that it finally happened after the Bozo season came and went and he got non-tendered and I guess he got bitch slapped by his girlfriend and like a reality check situation there. Something, I don't know if his girlfriend or if his fiance, I don't know if he's married, I apologize if I don't know the relationship status, but I do know she kicked him in the rear. So good on you, lady, I don't know. But, all right, I'm going to save this because I want to save this for the uh, I've made a huge mistake segment. All right, this is the Hey, it's Rico Plotzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. You are hearing Paul Mamino and Crosby Spencer break down hardcore data to help you win. That's what they're trying to do. These guys are jolly fellas, and they want to make a difference on your fantasy squad. So take the time, you know? I know we don't always do a show on a Tuesday, so this is a weird night. For some of you, you're not used to it. I know you're all creatures of habit, so, you know. I understand that, and I'll let it slide this time. But make sure that you're checking the YouTube channel. Sub us, sub us, sub us. All of the shows are here in perpetuity. You can watch them. You can pause it. You can rewind it. You can go forward with Paul's voice and Crosby's voice. You know, you can fast forward it. I don't know. I think you can play with it pretty freely. So make sure you sub the YouTube channel. Plausible Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Give me two. All right. Uh, we're not going to do Enrico's Inquisition because we've done it before with you guys. Been there, done that. I want to get into, you know, what really matters here. And that is Name That Runner-Up Babbitt. Yeah, it's everybody's favorite game. It's a game that's taken over the nation. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a stupid game. Uh, it doesn't really have a lot of skill in. Really, it's just a random guess. But it 
you know, if you have some insight from your own leagues and you love fab, you're going to enjoy it. So I'll start, show you guys how it works. I think I uh, laid it out pretty clearly, but I'm going to take us to my main event. How about that? Um, by the way, Paul, how are you doing in your main event? We're both in main events for the first time. Yeah, um, I was doing well as a couple weeks ago. I was actually looking into it. Oh, um, boy. Wait, wait I well, was doing well. Not a good yeah, start. Not doing well now. Um, we're talking about the, you know, I've made a huge mistake kind of stuff. And uh, <laughs> I, I've, I, I've, uh, I, I kind of go in with a approach of drafting to certain target numbers. And one of the places where I've kind of fallen the most is in RBIs and home runs. And a big part of that is that, you know, I was, exp- I was counting on 30-ish home runs from Conforto and Max Kepler, and both guys kind of got hurt. But the big thing that's happened for me, and it's happened for me in a lot of my leagues, is I've had a lot of guys that have had days where they've missed you know, two to three games in the middle of a week. Um, mm-hmm. and in my main event team, I think I was looking at it going into this, I have the second least at bats in the league. You know, that's, <laughs> that's not that's not ideal, right? You know, so I've made a lot of mistakes in in. Um, you know, guys that are sitting playing two out of three in an early part of the week and things like that. So that's kind of been the big thing that's been tripping me up is it's just I've not been able to get the at-bats that I was hoping to get. I've made a huge mistake. Really yeah, got. we've all done it. It's okay. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm in 10th place. Uh, I have 70 points. Yeah. Um, it's... I can't seem to get the hitting going. The pitching is 40 and the hitting's 30. So the pitching yeah. has actually been stronger. Uh, drafting Corbin Burns after Dave from Rotosaurus chastised me for it has actually been a genius move. Um, really, people, I mean, I think we're all, maybe we're not all forgetting this, but some of us are forgetting it. It was risky. We didn't know if he could do what he did in the brief 2020 sample, and he's definitely been, he's taken it. This is who he is. I think we know that now. Um, but an example, that, you know, to relate to your situation, Ian Happ, I uh, have never dropped him in my main events it's a 15 teamer but he's not done dick and then i benched him this week and he had home run yesterday i bet he had a home run today i haven't checked but you know that kind of shit happens right crosby absolutely (laughs) uh you know is that the best color color guy in the the league for nothing that's right (laughs) dynamite drop in money all right well said sir all right so i'll take it to my main event and this past week we had uh, some big fan bids. Uh, I won't do the Keston Huron one because I posted that on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. So, you know, Keston Huron did go for 137 in our main event, Ooh. which was the highest of any main event, by the way. Mine was one. Uh, actually, no. I, I wrote him down in TGFBI. You know, I think it was uh-huh. he went for 100 in that one for me. But yeah, I I bid 122, so I was I was a little short. And some people are saying that I'll luck out, but I actually like with the gunk gone. I actually think. He, Ryan Venancio, who's been pushing this theory for a while, that he's going to be a beneficiary, kind of like maybe Schwarber has been. We don't, we can't prove that yet, but I actually like that theory. So I'm, I'm expecting Hira to, to do some good things. He'll still strike out a lot, but I think he's going to take advantage. There's going to be more offense, too. There just is. And I know we're just getting out of the transition here, so we don't know yet. But rest of season, I'm expecting more offense, I am. But, I mean, but, we can get into it in the end, too. But if you're in the bottom half of the he's a guy you want to take a chance on, right? Absolutely. You, you want to ch- take a chance on a guy like him who has the upside to be what, what he was a top 80 pick last year, top yes. 80 pick this year. 
he's a guy, you know, it, if you're looking at him or a boring guy, and, and again, I, I know I'm putting that I didn't have at bats in my, my uh, main event team now, but if you're looking at a guy who's just going to get you at bats and not really do much, here is a, you need to chase upside when, when you're down. So he's a guy that you have to be willing to take that chance because it doesn't really matter if you finish in ninth or if you finish in 15th, you still get nothing. So, you know, you want to take the chance to, to maybe put yourself in a position to kind of get back into Huh. Whoopsie Daisy! Yeah, shit happens. You're right. And that's a good point as well. In fact, I've missed out on Keston Hira, Alex Kirilov, and Tyler O'Neill three times in this same main event. I've tried to bid on them. They were all available over the past six, seven weeks, and I lost all three. So that's how it goes. Rookie in the main event. But I want to talk about Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett was picked up for 43 bones in my main event league. Gentlemen, what was the runner-up fab bid? Uh, Crosby, we'll go to you first. I'm going to say 39. 39? High bid of 43? Paul, what about you? I'm going to say 19. Uh, well, uh, you're both over. Paul is closest. The actual runner-up oh. bid was $13. Wow. He surprisingly went for lower than I thought in a few places. He was a guy I saw in most of, when I was going through these to set this up. It, I think in general he went for lower than I expected. I think it's just because he was so bad that people don't want to trust him again. And I definitely did target Brock in a few places. So. There was a whole peppering. I think this goes to this, what I noticed, the trend over the weekend. You had Brock and Garrett. Uh, and then you had the, the Philly situation. Alvarado, Alvarado. Bradley. Yeah. And all. There was a lot of, uh, even the Tigers now. Fulmer went back on the aisle. So you had Gregory Soto and Jose Cisnero. There was a lot of ways to add cheap speculative save ads this weekend. So I assume people yeah. were going to go lighter. Or if you're smart, that's what you would have done unless you had money to burn. Yeah, I mean, it was probably the the, the best bad week for closer options, right? Like, yeah. We, we didn't have a, a no-doubt guy. Like, not that we've really had many of those to begin with. But we, we didn't have a guy that was going to go for a couple hundred. Um, but you definitely saw some of these guys go for more affordable if you're if you're in the need for saves. Crosby, you want to go next? All right, let's go. Um, all right, let's do Stephen Duggar. Mm. He went for 23. <sighs> this is the guy that I never pick up. I've never had him on a team once, but I understand that he could be usable. Uh, 23, you said? Yes. I'm going to say that somebody was mildly interested, but not nearly as interested. Uh, I'll say $7, Paul. I'm going to go with five. I mean, I'm in the same range as you. I think he's a guy that somebody put a little more than they felt they had to. Yeah, the, the winner of bid was 11. And the reason why I bring him up, when he plays on a, yes. on a per plate appearance basis, the guy's been doing some nice stuff. And he actually did uh, showed up on, on my stuff last year as well. Uh, and with uh, a couple more guys going on the DL uh, for San Francisco, you know, belts out. They got some moving parts they can move around. Uh, he's you can strategically to play him where he's getting five to, you know, six games of that bats in a week. I think he can be a useful player. They they have a few guys that are that they and one of the things <laughs> that they've been doing is just riding that hot hand. Yeah. Um, I assume but, you have all year, Paul. I mean, you you were coming into the season the Giants homer of all homers. So I, mean. I, I I loved all, I mean Austin Slater and a few of their other guys. Um, 
I still, you know, still have some interest in a lot of them. Actually, the guy I like the most from them, which I think has kind of gotten picked up in a few places now, is Lamont Wade. Yeah. But, um, but he's, you know, but the problem that you had with all those guys is that they were, it's part of the reason why they're so successful so far this year, is they were going with almost completely different lineups versus lefties and righties. And it made it hard in, in weekly leagues to pick a lot of these guys up because you weren't, yep. you know, you'd have to get a week where it was all righties and you could load up on uh-huh. their lefties or you had a week where it was you know multiple lefties and you could put my boy Wilmer Flores in your lineup and things like that <laughs> but you know that's what's made that them really bullshit. tough but I think I think you're right Carswell I think that as as they have some more injuries and kind of these things happen Duggar's definitely a guy that's got some interest and he was um relatively interesting in what like 18 and then I think he had a starting job or was that 19 and 20 and then he was just awful and he got sent down and never really got another chance the trials and tribulations of Steven Duggar, the legend himself. Uh, yeah, he's still like 27 years old, and he's not had a lot of experience other than coming up in 18. That was his first year of the bigs. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Giants, if you're a... This is what the Giants are if you're a Dodgers fan. Are you? We came to wreck everything and ruin your life. Yeah, but the Dodgers will end up overtaking him, right? Does anyone think that they won't? They're too good. I mean, I don't yeah. think the Dodgers. Yeah, they, they can't sustain him. Yeah, I like the Giants' pitching staff, but if they have more injuries, then they're going to run out of. They can't keep running these random guys out there that have career years all at once. You agree, Cross? Well, yeah, it's funny. We talk about the uh, the magic of what uh, St. Louis does with you know guys like the Wrench and and uh, uh, guys coming up and, and absolutely having not much of a of a minor league track record, they come up and, and come out of nowhere and produce for the team to go and do titles. San Francisco is, is quickly overtaking uh, St. Louis. I and mean, they have got a team of has-beens, never were's, never thought would-be's. Uh, but the Dodgers are the Dodgers. Uh, I think they're also any, anywhere that they are lacking, they'll address it at the trade deadline. Um, and I, you know, I don't think San Francisco can keep up this pace, but they are pretty damn good of getting everything out of their players. Okay. And that's probably yeah. one of the more important things you need to do. It's a, not, I mean, they, they have money. They're a big market team, but you, you need to be able to get the most out of That's what um, the Yankees did, what, two years ago when all, everybody got hurt and Urshela and Voight and all, and all these guys made the, you know, debuts and they got the most out of these relatively unheralded guys. You know, now you're seeing what happens when your stars also don't play well, but but that, that's kind of what you need to do as, as a team like this. And everyone was talking about the Giants going into the year as they didn't really make any big moves. They kind of help themselves serve, right? They, they just kind of, yeah. we're going to go out with these old guys and they've gotten bounce back years from Posey. And Brandon Belt was good when he's healthy. And Longoria was really good before he got hurt. And Brandon Crawford is remembered how to, or learned how to hit. I, I don't, I, either, either one. He said for a ton of power that he's never done before. So what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. But it's true. That's the crazy yeah. part. Yeah, so, yeah, it's all true. Fucking Brandon Crawford. Unreal! Ah. All right, uh, let's play... Uh, wait, Paul, I think you're up, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I'll, uh, let's do a kill but do. Let's do a uh, guy who, who was probably dropped and kind of like Hira, dropped in a lot of leagues probably and was available in a few. So the winning bid was 57. Wow. 57. What league is this? Uh, this is TGFBI, I think. 
Okay. That makes more sense. Not a main event bid. No. <laughs> I wouldn't see that. <laughs> He'd probably be on a team already. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, 57 for Akil Badu. By the way, you can listen to the Akil Badu song on the playlist on our YouTube channel anytime you want. He inspires us all. I said Rookie of the Year in the song as a joke, but shit, I don't know. Hey, Adolis Garcia's cooled off. Anything's possible. Uh, well, I don't see anybody going big time on this. I think I feel like that's goofy, but it is TGFBI. I'm going to say there was another bid for 32. I'll say 26. Uh, both under 39. Was the, wow. Was the winner up. He's oh, had a good last, last 30 days or so. But he's only playing, what is it? He's only playing against righties. They like refuse to let him hit against lefties. That's a good way uh, is that true? Yeah. Oh, that's nice to me. I, I know going there was a there was a point in time, or or maybe he's in the lineup, but he just can't hit lefties. Yeah, uh, that, that's yeah. Nice. So I mean, he's he's playing a decent amount. He's he's putting up some good numbers. He's been playing really well actually. But until his last four or five days, he was his OBP. Uh, somebody put this up. It was a great stat. I wish I wish I could find it. Uh, it was one of the best OBPs over the last since May first. It was really above average kind of shocked me but there can be lulls in there too right yeah. and, I, and i think when a guy does what he did to begin the season and then essentially disappears for a couple weeks even as he starts to kind of get hot again and he might have been playing relatively sparingly in those days you don't realize it quite as much that's a good point point. So one, uh, one thing one thing to, to remember though uh keep an eye on this because I, I know for like the last three years the last couple of years both the AL and the NL Central for the last three years and AL Central for the last couple of years has been a very good place for left-handed hitters to hit, not many uh, left-handed starters. Um, so if you're going to be a right righty masher, uh, I'm not sure if it's still the same way in the AL Central. I know it is in the NL Central. Um, there are just not a lot of staffs with lefties. So if, if you're going to be uh, a platoon guy like that, those are good leagues. And say that's... I, I kind of like Jock Peterson going to the Cubs. That was a good place, uh, at least as far as facing a lot of right-handers. The AL yeah. or the NL West is not a great great place for for left-handed bats if you don't hit left-handers well. Uh, and you know, and Schwarber going to Washington, uh, believe it or not, even though he's going from went from Chicago to uh, Washington, the NL East is also kind of um, right-handed uh, heavy. And it's a better ballpark to hit in for, for lefties. So, but just a touch That makes sense. Also, Akil Badu, four hits, four. First left-handers. And yeah. they're all singles. Yeah, yeah. so pretty – and I don't I, – I thought I saw something where he wasn't even playing against them. But. Yeah, that would make sense. And you're right, though. The, I mean, Danny Duffy comes to mind, lefties. Uh, Jay Happ's in there. There's a couple lefties. Rodon and um, – Of course. And, and Keuchel, but but that's you know what four that we've named off the top of our heads out of the other four yeah. staffs. There's probably one we're missing in there. But are, are you too worried about Jay Happ? I'm terrified. Actually, Jay Happ had a nice little start for me on Sunday. I streamed him, and he was great against Cleveland's offense, which can be awful at times. But then you know they're only two and a half games behind the White Sox, so who the hell knows? Anyways, that's the latest edition. You guys did it. It was fun. We played a round of name that runner up fab bid. We got it in the books. I'm very happy we did it. I'm Michael Govier. I am Michael Govier. I have been and continue to be Michael Govier. 
He's Paul Bomino and he's Crosby Spencer. And you should be following them. They're all from rotofanatic.com. All three of us, we all run rotofanatic.com with Carm and Matt and Mr. Doctor and Michael Richards, Davey Funnel and Phil Goyed. There's so many wonderful people there. Rotofanatic.com. It's a fun place to be and it's a great place to learn a thing or two. So make sure you're following Paul and Crosby on Twitter. P. Mamino Fantasy, Crosby Spencer, Numerical One. And I'm MJ Govier, G-O-V and Victor, I-E-R. All right, this is called Would You Rather. I love Would You Rather. I like to play it with booze, preferably. I'm sure Crosby's played some Would You Rather with some drinks. It's happened, right? A little spin the bottle, a little Would You Rather. Have you ever? Yeah. Oh, Will you tonight? Getting racy. A little bit of truth is there now. Okay, yeah. Let's do it. Three guys. Let's have a good time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you were talking about the past, my friend. The past. I was, yeah. Well, it's good times, me and some fellows. I won't do that. Uh, would <laughs> you rather rest? Nothing wrong with that at all. Would you rather rest of season? So it's real simple. I, I'll give you two names. You just tell me rest of season. Would you rather have one or the other? Now, I don't care how you look at it and you think, well, these aren't good comparisons. It's not about that. I just want to know. And I think the audience would like to know based on some of the information I've received from you people who connect with the show plaza podcast pro time or dms a plaza podcast two l's two z's so would you rather rest of season utah give me two garrett cole or clayton kershaw crosby i'm going to you first cole or kershaw rest of season is this even a debate uh well it shouldn't be right uh if you would ask this two weeks ago it would be a hands down garrett cole um he's had some really rough outings the whole thing with uh with the spider tack and the spin rates and it's shown up and his performance has gone down. Uh, I am still, and, and this hasn't really impacted Kershaw too much. I haven't seen what his spin rates have been, but he's, he's maintained uh, good performances. I'm still going to go ahead and stick it out um, uh, with, uh, oh, geez, Cole. But um, wow. I, I definitely, there, there is something to worry about. But I would not trade Cole for uh, uh, straight up in that deal for Kershaw. So I would go ahead and hold on to Cole. Kershaw had 13 strikeouts in a recent start. Looked amazing. What about you, Paul? Uh, I think it's closer, um, like Crosby said, than we thought it was going to be. But I think I'm still going to take my chances with Cole. I think right now he gave up three home runs against Boston on – Sunday and, and that kind of sticks. It's going to stick in a lot of people's minds. I think that re- the worry for him might end up being a little bit overblown. I think he's um, kind of become, and at least last year he did it with the Yankees too. He's he does give up some home runs, um, and it's almost kind of by design. Some some of the the better pitchers in baseball are kind of okay with giving up home runs every once in a while. They're not too worried about it as they go for strikeouts. I think that you definitely have to temper your expectations for him. I think you know you can move him. He might not be a top two starter like we thought he was going to be the rest of the season, but I Ugh. think I'd still kind of take it, my chances with him over over Kershaw. Well, it kills my Rotowire OC. I took him with my first pick. You know, <coughs> really thought it yeah. was legitimate to do that. It was, well, and yeah. I think I had the fourth or fifth overall pick, and didn't know baseball was going to meddle in the middle of a goddamn season. So I I think that guys potentially like I mean he might. Um, He's probably going to be in the all-star game. Um, but, you know, got guys that can have, like, an extra couple days to, to skip, not necessarily skip a start, but maybe even throw, like, an extra bullpen session, I really think that that's going to kind of benefit some of these guys. I think overall we're not going to see a huge I, – I, I've kind of said in a few places, I think we're going to move pitching down as a whole. Some guys might move up and down in a tier, but but for the most part your, your elite guys are still going to be your elite guys. Um, there might be some more impact to – 
a guy like Cole, a guy like Bauer. There's going to be some guys that are impacted slightly more, but I still think um, eventually these guys are too talented to not you know, be able to pitch well still. I think Kershaw is the guy. I really do. And I, I think there's a serious mental issue going on here for Cole. It's not just physical. It's the mental part. And, you know, Crosby, you, Paul, you know this too. You pitched. Yeah. You guys know the mental part of the game is important. If you lose confidence, that's what I'm thinking about. And, you know, after we've seen the interviews where he blanks off in the space for 10 seconds and then he's pissed and now he's not pitching as well, yeah. I could see it snowballing. I really can. So I'm really worried about that. I feel like Kershaw... Never changed. Kershaw's been who he's been. He's been around the block a million times. I mean, they're basically the same age, too. I believe Kershaw's, Kershaw's 33. I think Cole's 30. 31. I think Cole's 31. Or he'll be 31. Okay. Um, yeah, so maybe it's not that close, but it's closer than you might think. All right. Uh, I, I, you know, I won't argue about it, but I, I'll take Kershaw. I really will. Uh, who's the, the quote-unquote worst pitcher you would take over Cole? Hmm. Uh, well, I would, the word like someone who's less than lower ranked. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean like, let's say you have Corbin Kershaw Burns. Ten, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That seems, that seems. That seems. Really, yeah. That that's probably an area I'd be fine with being. I take Woodruff. Yeah, definitely. I I think I would take both of those guys. I I guess maybe Burns has the same problem or same concern for me as Kershaw. That I, that I think if you're betting on innings rest of season, both of those guys might not get as many innings as Cole gets. That's oh, the I'm, only yeah. main concern. I think that that's that's the big difference. I think on a per inning basis, you can see Kershaw being better. But I think, you know, Cole will end up with more Ks just strictly because he's going to throw more innings. Well, we'll talk about that in our last segment because I want to talk about that. All right, next one. Keston Hira or Alberto Mondesi? Paul, we'll start with you first. Uh, Hira or Mondesi? Seems like a no-brainer. Maybe it's not. What do you think? Um, I guess, I guess here, cause he's healthy and in the big leagues currently. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't necessarily think that he's going to put up, you know, insane. Uh, he could put up insane numbers still, but I think, you know, Mondesi's looked awesome when he's been healthy. It's just, he, can't, he does he's not healthy. So I think that I'm taking the guy that's healthy and playing over the guy that we don't know when he's coming back. Crosby, what do you think on this one? I'm going to go Mondesi simply because when he, if he's in there, I mean, he, let's say he doesn't play a, a game the rest of the year. Um, obviously, you're screwed. But here, here, uh, I mean, he may be back down in the minors in two weeks. I don't think so. I think he's going to get his bearings and and, and have a, a decent second half. However, is he going to have a better second half than Jonathan uh, Scoop or Scope or you know, who, you're not missing that much by missing Keston. But I think if Mondesi does get back on the field sometime after the All-Star break and is Mondesi, I mean, that that is a league winner right there. So I'm going to take Mondesi. I mean, his what was his uh, his 2020 ranking was pretty much just his end-of-season ranking was, what, like two weeks, essentially? He went pretty much, all, yeah. He went all for the last two weeks of the season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he'd, he'd stolen bases all year. But, you know, he definitely would have – he's a guy who can be the best player – in fantasy for a month stretch at a time. I, I, yeah. I definitely don't disagree with you. I think we've just seen too many little nicks and, and bruises for him here that I, I think it's just kind of become a thing. It, oh, there's a real chance he doesn't play. I mean, there's a real chance he barely plays the rest of the season. That could totally happen. Yeah. But I think, uh, I think Keston, 
that there's a chance that he is less than league average. I think he's better than that, but I also didn't think he was going to go to the minors twice this year. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know exactly how much we're going to miss him, um, but I'm willing to take that high upside uh, top 10 player in the game gamble. Yeah. That is so fetch. I think it also depends on where you are in your stand. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a cop context basis. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're leading, then you probably are okay with having modesty sit on your bench and take your chances with him. Cause he could guarantee you the win. Yep. Uh, yep. And this goes back to our commentary. Cole versus Kershaw. Derek Schaefer says Darvish over Cole too. Obvi- yeah. I think that's, I think I'm on board with that. Would you guys agree? Darvish over Cole? Yeah. I, I, I think if you're worried about, I guess it's just how much faith you put into this stuff. I think Darvish is a guy who could, should probably pitch as many innings as Cole going forward, probably plays on a better team, more of a chance of getting wins. There, I, I can definitely see that argument. I would still stick with Cole. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of Darvish. Uh, I have him rostered on a few leagues, including a, a longtime keeper league. Um, his swing and strike rate ground is, is, is down a bit this year. It's down around 13%. He's typically more of a 16% guy. Um, that's, that's small, you know, that's, that's, that's a small thing, but he's 34 now. Um, Garrett Cole, um, you know, throwing 97, 15% strike rate. The guy has been an absolute stud, you know, and when you talk about Corbin Burns, he's also someone who's, Spin rates have been down big time. It hasn't impacted him that much, uh, too much so far. But um, yeah, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go too far into into the spin rate thing with with Garrett Cole. He's down to very similar spin rates that he had uh, his first year with with Houston, and I, I seem to remember that was a pretty good year for him. So the great spin rate panic of 2021. Good call, Chris. Fair enough. Uh, by the way, guys, you guys getting the notification here? Seven innings in the books. No hitter so far for Herman Marquez. All right. In, in at Seattle? Like two, right? or, at Seattle oh. or at Cleveland? No, I think it's Pittsburgh. It's the Rockies. In, oh. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Gotcha. The Vicksburg in the Pittsburgh. I well, the, I the, other, in... the other team that's been no hit, right? They've Or no, Texas was the other one that's been no hit multiple times. The Pirates were no hit last year by Giolito. So yeah. that's true. Are they in Pittsburgh? Do we know this? Or are they, no, no way they're... It's it's in Colorado. Oh, wow. What? Coors. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. That's fucking amazing. That's even... Shit, if it, if it goes to the ninth inning, I'm going to bring it up on the TV. Didn't, uh, uh, didn't Jimenez throw one or two there? In or Ubaldo? Good old Ubaldo. He had a hell of a season there that one year. but 15 and enough. one in yeah. a half, which was bizarre for win-loss. It looks amazing, but... I bet if we were focused more on StatCast like we are now back then, we would have realized there was a lot of bullshit going on with that. So, But whatever. Because he went to Baltimore and he could never, ever replicate any of that. No. Anyways, you don't care about Ubaldo Jimenez. You care about our next comparison. Would you rather? We're doing would you rather rest of season. Alex Reyes, who has been an absolute steal for a lot of people who drafted him. I mean, amazing. He, he never blows a save. It's incredible. Or Craig Kimbrell, who has also been amazing. And has not really let anybody down. In fact, it's been way above and beyond what a lot of people expected. Though his ADP was higher than Reyes's. Uh, who's up first this time? Uh, Crosby, uh, Crosby, we'll go to you again. Alex yeah, Reyes, I'll go Cardinals. Kimbrough. Yeah, I'll go Kimbrough. Kimbrough. I, yeah this, guy's, this guy's been 
this guy's been in this position and a stud for a long time. He's, he's obviously had a hiccup here and there, but uh, he looks good this year. Um, God, he's been a closer for what, eight, nine years, it seems like. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to go with him. He's, he's, he's dependable. Um, I'm not sure if uh, there, there's nobody to take his job. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Kimball. Kimbrough's been a closer for a good 10 years. He had 46 saves in 2011. So he's been doing this a long time. That's yeah. that's true. Well said. What about you, Paul? Uh, too too many walks for me with Reyes, so I'll, I'll go Kimbrough. It's kind of boring, but, you know, the the walk rates are just insane, and, and you can't keep he, – he's been getting really lucky kind of getting away with that stuff, and mm-hmm. I just don't foresee it kind of staying. Plus – um, when it comes down to kind of team context, I think the Cubs are a little bit better than the Cardinals, so they're going to be in a little more chances for wins, a little more chances for saves, kind of things like that, which is kind of important um, for your closer if, if they actually have opportunities. So I think that uh, those kinds of two things put together, I'm going I'm to take my chance with Kimbrell. Right now, 2.97 walks per nine for Kimbrell. This is the lowest walks per nine he's had since 2017. So... Uh, you know, if that happens the second half, that's great news too. And the home runs per nine are, are minuscule; they don't exist right now. Which I feel like that's got to go up a little bit because it's at point three, which is yeah. I mean, th- those kinds of things definitely tend to balance out. But at the same yeah. time, as long as he's not walking guys, while he's not, well, you know, if he gives up some home runs but isn't walking guys, then that's a lot easier to kind of handle. And so he's doing that while home runs are up pretty big. Yeah. Not only for the Cubs, I looked at it also also in. Um, uh, for the White Sox as well. So obviously there's something weather-wise going on there in, in Chicago, and it hasn't uh, hasn't hit him at all. It's always weather-related. That's what we learned on this podcast. I love <laughs> it. Uh, Victor, maybe this one's goofy, but I, I thought it was an interesting comparison. Victor Robles or Mark Canna, who at the time, when he got hurt with the hip strain, went on the IL last Friday. 55 runs scored, one of the best in baseball at scoring runs. Paul. Is this a obvious call? It's Canna because he'll be healthy, or are you genuinely concerned about a hip issue? Uh, I I love Canna. I had him in a, in a bunch of places, um, and me too. I'll he was that. you know scoring a, an insane amount of runs, um, kind of you know something I didn't really see coming, and he was getting on base a ton. Uh, one of the weird things though is that I think his he, he's walking a lot. So in like traditional roto leagues, his average isn't as great as his on base percentages, even though he's scoring a ton yeah. of runs. Um, he was stopped. He didn't really run a lot even before he got like he was running early in the year and then he kind of stopped. I think that the athletics as a whole kind of slowed down. Loriano had what like 10 in the first two weeks or something, something just insane early on going on there. Mm-hmm. And they were running a lot and then it's kind of died down. But I, I still think going forward, I, I'd much rather have him than Robles. He's going to hit leadoff when he comes back. Robles is not. Um, so I think I'm just going to take my chances with Canna. And the cat agrees. I also. Crafted Mark Canna like a motherfucker. I was all in. I believed in what I've seen from him, and especially in OBP leagues. My home league's OBP, I'll admit that, but in almost, shit, I think like seven out of the 12 NFBC teams I did, I I was heavy on him. I just thought he would lead off because everyone kept saying Ramon Laureano's going to lead off, and it didn't come to to pass by spring training. So, Kroz, what do you think here? Victor Robles, uh, you know, he's healthy again. He's back on the field. He hit a home run today. I don't know if that's fun, but would you do that? No, I'd, I'd stick with Canna for right now. Uh, Robles, I've never really liked his his, his batting profile. Um, you know, this year he's walking a bit, and and you know he had what seventeen home runs or something uh, back in I think twenty nineteen. 
But, man, he just he doesn't hit the ball hard. He's not batting at the top of the lineup. Uh, I currently have him as like a uh, as an expected, basically, bench bat. Um, <laughs> so, you know, in Canada, I have something on unexpected full season with what he's done so far in a good lineup. Hitting towards the top of the lineup, um, you know, is, is something more like a, a top 45 to 50 hitter. So, yeah, I, I'd stick with I'd stick with Canada right now. There was a the most recent update on his injury was was positive too. I think they said he, they don't expect him to miss much more than the minimum. So I think that's a that's a good that's a good thing for him. But you know, he might not run, but I think he's going to still lead off when he comes back and score a ton of runs. Ah, that's a good call. A couple more. We're done here. Tony Gonsolin or Albert Alzale? Albert Alzale. Albert Alzale of Chicago Cubs has been pretty darn good. He had a blister issue, which slowed him down a bit. But that slider has really taken off this year. Tony Gonsolin, shoulder struggles early on, wasn't ready to go. But now he's active. First couple of starts weren't so great. A lot of walks. But his last start was pretty promising. Seven strikeouts. Kept uh, whoever the hell he was pitching against in check. Paul Mamino, I'm going back to you. Would you rather have rest of season? Uh, I'll, I'll take Gonsolin. Um, better, better team, better chance of wins. He might not throw more than five every time he goes out, but um, he's shown that he's he's got some pretty serious skills from what we've seen from him in his short big league time. So I'll uh, I'll go with him if I'm if I'm going with the two because I, I also think there's a chance. Um, you know, we might see Azalea get a few more you know random IL stints here or or skipping starts. Mm-hmm. And kind of limiting innings going forward. So I'll, I'll take Gonsolin. You read my mind. What about you, Crosby? What do you think here? Yeah, I'm going to go with Gonsolin. Uh, I liked him coming into the season. I think in our, our, our last podcast, I was high on him and A.J. Puck. The A.J. Puck part has uh, paid zero fruit. Um, and Gonsolin hasn't pitched, you know, particularly well so far. But uh, that's quite all right. Um but Alzal, but I, I know the talent is there. I I, I think that uh, Gonsolin reminds me a bit of of, of Zach Gallen, um, and Alzale. Uh, even before this this last start, I had Alzale with an expected ERA more like the mid fours than what he was pitching, um, and he kind of I think he brought it up to that after that last start. Yeah, I had him at. Uh, an expected ERA of 4.66, an expected ear, uh, whip of 1.18 versus his 4.19 and 1.03. Decent strikeout rate, uh, good walk rate. Um, he's pitching more than uh, five innings uh, per start, but he gives up the long ball. He's uh, got an expected 4.7 home run rate, which is high, let you know. Yeah. Uh, and he's also given up that 4.7. So it's fully earned. There's I don't expect any regression there. Uh, he's uh, he hasn't pitched um, this much in, in the majors, so and he's. Uh, I, I would definitely. I would go with Gonsolin. I think he's 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 got he's got more upside, and I think his second half is going to have more innings than than Alzale as well. Yeah, it's very strange for Alzale. He's not given up more than four run runs in any outing this year. He has not, but he's got a four point five five ERA, which means he's given up four runs several times. Uh, <laughs> so right. Uh, and his, yeah, okay. I, really, I have him rostered. He's like, he's, he's like my sixth pitcher in a number of leagues. And he, you know, yeah. uh, he hasn't really had a blow up except for this, this one against the, the Dodgers wasn't kind, but, um, he's been perfectly serviceable. I like him as a number six pitcher. Uh, but I think Gonsolin could be a three or four. I agree. You're, you're right. I do like him too. I like both these guys really. So that's why I was curious. 
Azalea has given up at least two home runs, one, two, three, four, five times this year, five different starts. That's not great. So that does allude to what Crosby was talking about. Next up is, and finally, Alec Baum, Alec Baum, or not Craig, Kevin Biggio. That's right. Kevin Biggio or Alec Baum, rest of season. Crosby, you're going to start it off. All right. I haven't looked at these two guys very much at all. Um, so I assume well, you don't in, like either one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, in uh, That lineup is so nice. Uh, so I, I'm going to go with Biggio. He has not done anything so far this year uh, to deserve it. Uh, he's he's kind of earned his, his crappy stats. But I did like him. Um in the minors, uh, I think there's there's room for improvement. His uh, the ballparks he's playing in that lineup. If I'm going to take a, a stab at one of those two guys, uh, mm-hmm. I'll go with Vigio. Mr. Mamino, I I liked Vigio um, a lot this year. Um, I think that he's a really interesting guy, mainly because <laughs> no, mainly just because he's a really interesting guy. <laughs> Everything that he does is just so unique, right? Like he, he's extremely patient. He he strikes out a ton. He walks a ton. Hits yeah. a good amount of balls in the air. He's he's just like a really really weird player. Um, but <laughs> I I think that he what what he's done so far. I guess I guess it's kind of going back to Crosby's thing. He's been hurt a lot this year. Um, Bohm's just kind of been struggling to to an extent. And I think that that Toronto lineup around him is a little bit better. Better chance for RBIs. Better chance for scoring runs. So I'll, I'll give it to him. But if you need, you know, if you need average, you want bomb. If you need uh, counting stats, I guess I guess you can go with Biggio. They're, they're kind of a toss up to me. That's a ringing endorsement, folks, right there. <laughs> Woohoo! You're a lousy fucking softball player. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> we can't prove that. I don't know. Where, uh, I've never seen him play softball, frankly. But either way, there it is. Would you rather rest the season from Paul and Crosby in the can? Now it's time for our final segment. We'll get the hell out of here. And by the way. Eight innings in the books. No hits. One inning to go. So when the eighth inning ends, we go to the ninth. I'm going to pull that sucker up here, and we'll see it in real time. This could be the second real-time no-hitter we've had on the show this season, which says all kinds of things about this season. Uh, Corey Kluber, that was the other one, who is now no longer relevant, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Okay, so... Uh, Now we're getting to it. Uh, What I labeled this title as I've made a huge mistake. So I want to help you guys out here. I've made a huge mistake. There's a lot of people like Paul and myself who are struggling in our main events. Other people like you out there. You're not alone. You're trying to get out of the lower end of the bracket of your league. Forget overall. Let's just try to win the league. I want to know what can we do? What kind of strategies can we implement? And I have a couple things I've been thinking about as kind of overarching themes related to these strategies. But... Let's start with Roto. 12 and 15 teamers. If there's a difference between a 12 and a 15 teamer you want to offer, please do. Go ahead. Because so far, people have made a bunch of mistakes. I've made a huge mistake. Yeah, got it. And there's a lot of ways that you could still turn it around. It's only late June. In Roto Leagues, you still have July, August, and September all the way to the end. So there's three months minus the All-Star break available. So, uh, Paul, let's start with you here. Roto concepts. Anything that a strategy that could be useful to kind of change the game right now. I think we're at a point where you have to evaluate where you are in categories um, and where you are in standings and where like there's the most place for you to actually move. Um, Cause like, you know, I, I have a few teams where um, 
at a team with Mondesi. And again, you don't have as many steals as you thought you were going to have. So early on, I'm kind of trying to pick up some guys who might chip in a couple steals and try to move me back up. But it's gotten to a point where you're so far behind that, you know, even getting a five steal week from a guy isn't going to move you up in the category. So instead of using, you know, a spot on a guy who's more of a rabbit type of a player, you want to use your last bench or you want to start kind of chasing some of the other categories that you actually have space to move up in. Um, I, I don't think there's a huge difference between 12 or 15 for Roto. I think it's kind of the same regardless. Um, you just kind of want to do it almost every week. You want to take a look at where you are in categories, where you are in the standings and where you actually have place to move because, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to go from a, a, you know, high four ZRA if you're, if you've struggled that much there and really kind of overtake and make your way back up to the top. So if you're struggling in a, in a ratio category, you might want to start loading up on starts and try to get wins and try to get K's because you might actually be able to move up and, and kind of get yourself back into those spots. Ah, that's a good call. Uh, Crosby, what about you? Any thoughts for 12 or 15 team Roto leagues that could help? Well, so if you're <clears throat> obviously trades, if you can, but um, you know, if you're looking at just strategy, because you know, free agents, man, after it seems like after the end of May, free agents kind of dry up a bit. Um, hmm. But um, I would be definitely be going looking at um, you know two star pitchers. I'm kind of punting ratios if I if I can. Um, and trying to get the counting categories of the wins and the K's, paying attention to uh, lineup placements, um, seeing if, if, if guys are moving up on, you know, looking at uh, the box scores, seeing if guys are going, you know, hitting the top of the lineup now where they were hitting sixth earlier in the season. Just try to get these little edges. I know at the all-star break also, um, I'll go through and I'll map out, um, you know, obviously the 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 the, uh, the rotations don't stay exactly the same, but I'll map out and I'll look at what the matchups are, and you know I'll I'll make a deal for a guy that you know otherwise might be even or or, or a little bit lesser of a pitcher. I'll acquire that guy based on you know if he's got a lot better matchups uh, coming up. You're just trying to get every little edge that you can, and you're getting those edges by volume by healthy players. Uh, by by volume, by getting guys, you know, more up towards the top of the lineups, um, you know, your your uh, volume by two start pitchers, um, you know, and and I, I would take a look and and see maybe if if uh, you can get some uh, if you want to play the ratio the uh, the ratios game uh, and try to improve in in Ks or uh, WHIP or if you have like a K per nine uh, type of league look and see those relievers that that teams are pitching um, in those extra inning scenarios, because now that we're putting a guy on second base, you know, there's, uh, uh, there's relievers getting a lot of cheap wins and, you know, see if, if teams are deploying uh, consistently guys, you know, for that 10th inning, uh, et cetera, to see if you can, you can pick up some stuff there. That, that would be some of my suggestions. Genius, genius, genius. Dude, you just hit on something. I'm going to go to it now, by the way, I'm before I say it, has there ever been a no-hitter at Coors, guys? True or false? I think there has been. I believe there has been. Uh, was it Mike Witt? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Mike Witt. I remember Mike Witt, though. Uh, but you were both right. There was one no-hitter. And it was in 1996 at Coors Brown? Field. Nope. Coors. Yeah, I don't think you guys would get this. unless If you don't have it, if you could Google it. But I'll tell you. The answer is... 
the one and only Dodger. Hideo Nomo! Oh, How about that? He did it. The only guy to ever throw a no-hitter at Coors Field, at least until this evening. It's uh, two outs in the eighth. Oh, boy. It's coming up. I'm excited for this ninth inning. But you just hit something big time for me, Kroz. I have been... I don't know if I should be telling this, but I do a show. I mean, it's like Matt says. You got to talk straight. You got to give away all your secrets, and you still have to win. That's what this job is. I I think I agree with him for the most part. You could be a little strategical about what you say, but in the end, if you're going to ask me an opinion, I'll never back down from it. And I've been picking up guys like Seth Lugo and Colin McHugh to even out my ratios, get me wins, sometimes one or two wins a week. Hell, even Lugo snuck in a save recently, and I'm really liking these types of guys. Also, because I have innings pitched fears. So do you like the strategy? And tell me what you think about innings pitched fears going forward. Uh, Paul, we'll go back to you first. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's an understanding kind of, again, where, where you have places to move, right? Um, if you're relatively high up in Ks, you can afford to use some of those guys. And and honestly, a lot of times, that if they do throw two or three times, they're getting as many Ks as a, as a lot of starters would, right? You're, you're getting maybe yes. four, four to six, depending on how many they throw, maybe more depending on the week. And you probably have a chance at, at garnering some wins. If you're trying to make moves in ratios, it's, that's going to be a lot slower of a, of a pace because you're just not, you know, racking up enough innings to make major, major changes to it. But I think that it's, it's definitely a strong strategy to take. Um, again, as if you can kind of see that maybe innings pitch, Maybe you're in an okay spot in ratios. You just haven't quite gotten the the Ks and the and the innings, or and the wins, and you might be trying to sneak in a few for sure. I think it's it's a solid approach. What do you think, Roz? Well, you know, if you're going with those those type of guys, you're talking about it. That, uh, you know, you're picking up those wins or you know the random save here and there. Now, if you're trying to get that that random save, remember if they've got if they've got uh, all home games that week you're probably not going to um, get that safe. Um, but if you're on the, if you're on the road, you know, if you're, these guys are guys that are pitching the extra innings, et cetera. Um, so, you know, know when to deploy those guys, if that's what you're looking for. But uh, yeah, it, it, and there are leagues out there, these, these six by six, et cetera, where they have K per nines and, and, uh, or, you know, some of these 15 team leagues where it might be eight points separating between these ratios uh, you know, that, th- that you can catch in, in the, in the second half of the season. So yeah, you just, it, it's, it's your, it's your scenario. It's your situation. I happen to, it, it's weird. I'm in, I'm in a league right now where are in uh, five leagues right now where I, I'm not cemented on my ratios, but I'm like a quarter point either way on ERA in, in, in some of these. And so I'm looking at, at the volume and trying to get the wins and the K's and, and really strategize, um, you know, not just gonna. Ah, not who's gonna a, have just the, what, Sorry. Hit there it goes. Uh, yeah, first batter of the ninth inning, base hit to right field. Buzz kill. Sorry to interrupt you, but there it oh, is. The no, no, it was over. He had yeah, five but, strikeouts and in one walk. By the way, and always remember, you know, don't just go for the guys that are you're looking at uh, two starts this week. Yeah, you know, strategize for the guys are gonna have two starts a week from now. Um, so that you're you're not paying top of the dollar on fab money and things of that nature. So, hmm. I wonder how much this is going to boost uh, Herman Marquez's trade value now. This is good news for the Rockies, right? Yes. <laughs> and it's Couldn't good news for him because he'll be out of course. Yeah. 
Coors. Yeah, that's a good call. Okay, so it didn't work out so close, but still, that'll up his value. Right now, somewhere, Jeff Burdick is smiling, I bet. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. He's probably drunk somewhere and depressed, I would think. Uh, I don't really like Jeff Burdick, so fuck him. Okay, so that's great stuff, man. I This inning pitch thing's got me. I'm very concerned about it. And the guys like Corbin Burns and Carlos Rodon and all these guys that are blowing past what they did last year and really haven't done in a few years, depending on the pitcher, I think this is a major concern. I've been waving the flag about it for the last few weeks. And some people are saying, well, it's fair to kind of be ahead of it and think about it. Other people are saying, well, you know, this is all, all of the teams are in this together. So they're all going to be expanding, going beyond the reach of their typical limits. Well, I'm worried about it, right? I'm worried about the, the Indians pitch thing, right? This is unprecedented, okay? Yes. However, these teams aren't being run by Manfred. And these teams are, I mean, these are billion-dollar franchises. um, And some of these front offices are pretty damn good at at what they do. Um, And I'm thinking we don't know what these teams did during uh, during the season at the alternative sites in the in the off season, um, they had some time to to go through this. I'm imagining they've got some pretty good doctors and and people that they can consult. I'm pretty sure they've got a uh, uh, they've got a strategy in place to have built up their innings. That is my hope. I don't think they come into this blind, um, but you know. Maybe in maybe in uh, September, it's it's just the minor league AAA guys pitching. But I think they've I think they've uh, I think they've addressed this uh, in the off season uh, and work with doctors and trainers and people people in the know on on how to be able to get through a full season. Okay. I also think it's relatively interesting. We haven't seen a lot of. Um, you, you would think you would start skipping some of these guys' starts yeah. now. Phantom uh, IL yeah, stuff, too. You, know, you, you don't want the Steven Strasburg. Like, if you're the Brewers, you don't want to not have those three guys in, in come playoff time come September, right? Yeah, they're so in first place. You you would think that they'd start skipping them earlier in the year. Um, we, we might start seeing that still. Maybe, maybe we see a few coming out of the All-Star break. Maybe, oh, his, his uh, you know, this is bothering him. And, and then you get, you know, two weeks where you miss them instead of instead of only missing one or two starts. So I could definitely see some of those things happening. I think we're going to see it in the next month or two, as opposed to in September for a lot of these guys. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, that seems to make so much sense. We had Dr. David A. Meyer on a month ago. He worked for the Cardinals organization as a rehab medical coordinator. And he told me, I mean, he, he just verified what we already knew. The hell yeah, players do it. Teams do it. They will exploit the IL. It could be contracts. There could be fear. There could be all kinds of weird shit going on. And anything and anything's possible. Just got to open my eyes more to it. I've never been, you know, I've been cynical a bit about how things are operate. Never been blind to it necessarily. But it's certainly, as Crosby said, this is unprecedented. We've not seen this. So I'm dying to know how it plays out. And I actually find it quite interesting. And it'll always keep me distracted at the meantime from the impending CBA disaster that is tumbling down the mountain right now, uh, slowly, but it's coming. Uh, you know, that's it. Yeah, I'm fucking exhausted. I've been podcasting for like 50 <laughs> hours today. We covered a lot of ground here, I feel like. Is there anything else you guys want to mention there in that, or like you had lined up? Because I don't want no, to sell I, you guys short. So I kind of alluded to it earlier, but kind of we've talked about it. You, if, you're, if you're struggling, you can take more chances on upside if you're lower in the thing. 
But at the same time, your only way to get back is going to be innings pitch. Actually getting guy, you know, you don't want to take too many specs because then you're playing a guy who's only playing once a week and you're missing out on the week's worth of stats. So you've got to kind of balance the chasing upside and chasing guys who are actually playing. Beautiful. And the key with head-to-head real quick, we talked Roto. With head-to-head, you have even less time. You'll have a playoff, depending on your league, that could start as early as the beginning of September, depending on the size and amount of playoff teams you have. So your window is even smaller, and you might want to consider if you're, I don't know, I mean, if it's cats where you add up the cats and it's 10 cats, you're 15 games out, you might you might be done. You'd have to do some math, too. I think some of that, like, points and value that you can gain, you can literally kind of do the math, too, and know if you really have a chance to really make any headway. And, and one of the cool things with that, on the, the flip side, I agree with you, there might be a, it might be insurmountable, but in theory what your guys have done before doesn't matter anymore um, in, in head-to-head and, and things like that. Because in Roto, you know, you're you're banking on if, – if your pitchers have struggled and you have a, a four ERA, that's what you have. You have to work from a four ERA. In, yeah. in a head-to-head type of thing, you can get hot, get into a playoffs as a, you know, the last seed, and you can still make a run and win. So I think there, there's the balance between understanding that, and I also think, you know, in leagues like that, you have to take an, an approach of understanding the, the leagues because you can essentially punt three of those categories. If it's let's say it's ten in, in a head-to-head, you can you can trade all of your saves guys, let's say, and and go after all the other categories, load up your offense, and win seven three every week, and mm-hmm. or six four every week, and you'll slowly kind of make your way back up. That's true. That's a great point. Good call. Uh, Cross, do you play in head-to-head leagues? I know you do, right? No, I have absolutely. I actually have never played head to head in uh, in baseball. What? Yeah, in baseball, you know, I probably have about nine to ten head to head leagues uh, per season, but never done it in baseball. You know, when you start out in in fantasy baseball uh, in 1993, you're kind of an old school. Uh, you know, you're playing that before there even was fantasy football. So I'm kind of an old Roto school. Roto chicken. Roto chicken style. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm down with it. I, I can respect that. I know Paul's played head to head. So, yeah. Oh, boy. What a show. I hope you guys learned something. And if you didn't learn something, then you were not paying attention. It's just that obvious. I swear. Paul and Crosby are savants. Crosby, we want to give you credit for powering through. It wasn't feeling so great. And it wasn't easy. But he did not shit his pants, as far as I know. <laughs> so. That's good news. Right? Uh, cheers to our sponsor, Depends. <laughs> oh, man, what a day. Of course, rotofanatic.com, that's what we all do. We all work to make rotofanatic.com a better website for you. And if you guys have any suggestions, you know, you can always contact us. You can contact any of us on Twitter, P. Mamino Fantasy, Crosby Spencer 1, MJ Govier, Juvies and Victor IER, Matt Williams, Carmeirano, anybody who's on a rotofanatic payroll. <laughs> and you can... Uh, offer suggestions hey i'd like to see more of this because we're trying to give you guys what you want we do a lot of work on the weekend with closing remarks firmly report and of course the schedule factors that we discuss so if you'd like to see any tweaks or adjustments just share them with us please hit us up we want to give you what you want that's the whole purpose uh anything else uh paul anything you want to say someone should know no. about you uh are you going to be doing any other appearances soon uh I don't think so. If anybody you know needs a guest for their podcast, I'm always open. So just let me know. Yeah, it's stupid. Come on. If you haven't had Paul on your podcast, you're an asshole. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully that'll motivate you to change. And the same goes for Crosby. And Crosby, you know, Crosby's a little more bashful. Even though Crosby's not a bashful guy, uh, he's not in real life. But you know, and 
he's uh, warmed up to the podcasting realm. So I think, uh, Crosby, you should go national, man. Take it up a notch. Uh, yeah, I, I think we should do that. Let's no, get me you, out there. Get me on there. Uh, yeah. Oh, you want me to? Yeah, I'll do all the work. It's fine. I'm happy hey, to do that. You're, you're, you're a hot guy, man. You're a hot guy. Be our agent, Mike. You can, uh, <laughs> you can find us all the, all the opportunities. Yeah, maybe in a different life, I had a life as an agent. I, I guess I could see that. But I never believed, uh, not a good salesman, I never was, because I never believed in anything that was worth selling. But That's the problem. Uh, that, yeah, isn't it? That's always yeah. the number one issue with sales. You got to, you can't. I couldn't fake it. I could fake a lot of things, but I couldn't fake the funk on a nasty dunk, and I couldn't fake anything when it comes to sales. So that's it. Remember that uh, we'll be back tomorrow. I got to do another show tomorrow, Wednesday. Brock Miller, Brockness Monster. He's going to talk about a lot of shit, not just baseball stuff. He actually has some interesting stories, some similarities in our past that are going to be interesting because we haven't had a chance to really unravel those with Brock. So I'm really looking forward to that. Brock tomorrow. And then I think... Uh, I think we take a break. We're off till because we got the Fourth of July weekend, so we'll be back Wednesday night at nine o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And until then, I want to thank Crosby. I want to thank Paul. Love these guys. Really like doing the shows. And catch you on the flip side. Later. Right, lads. Now, I know there's not a faint heart among you. And I know you're as anxious as I am to get into close action. But we must bring him right up beside us before we spring this trap. That will test our nerve. And discipline will count just as much as courage. The Acheron is a tough nut to crack. More than twice our guns, more than twice our numbers. And they will sell their lives dearly. They mean to take us as a prize. <laughs> And we are worth more to them undamaged. Their greed will be their downfall. England is under threat of invasion. And though we be on the far side of the world, this ship is our home. This ship is England. So it's every hand to his rope or gun, quicks the word and sharps the action. After all, Surprise is on our side. <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.